And good morning and a happy Would You Rather Wednesday to you. It is Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn Clark. He's Griffin Bass. Voice is kind of back, which is good because after I go to Rage Against the Machine tonight, there will be none. So I'm having um, I'm having our buddy Spiro Marikas come in and hang out with us tomorrow morning, which I, I'm very excited. Spiro and I always like to have themes whenever we do the show together. Tomorrow's theme is we are debating the best months of the year. There was a tweet that was going viral a couple weeks ago. Somebody said, I'm so bored, I'm about to rank the best months of the year. And then immediately everybody was like, this is a great idea. Let's all do this. So I put out my ranking, and Spiro, like he is one to do, and he's wrong about a, a great number of things. Uh, boy, you just really turned me down quite low. I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Significant there. there. I don't yeah, really. I, I, I only touched it, but <laughs> disappeared entirely. Frankly, um, Spiro, like he's one to do. He loves to be wrong. It's one of his favorite things in the world is to be wrong. Like he's wrong about uh, the song "Kokomo" by the Beach Boys, which we all know is a is a fine song. It's it's not one of the greatest songs of all time. It's not one of the great Beach Boys songs of all time. But it ain't trash. It doesn't suck. The way that people try to pretend it sucks, it does not. Spear and I have fought about that over the years. We fought about a number of things, and uh, he wanted to fight me about my rankings. And so tomorrow morning, the 10 a.m. hour, <laughs> that's what we're doing. And if that's not for you, I wanted to give you the middle finger, but that's inappropriate. So it'll gonna... be an hour-long conversation? I mean, we think? might talk about other things, maybe, but knowing Spear and I... <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna get into this. There's some meat on them bones. We're getting in. We are going for it. I'm sure Spiro will want to say something about Vin Scully. I'm sure we'll. I mean, maybe Towson will come up at some point. I don't know. Some thoughts about uh, the Ravens, the Orioles. Who knows? But I know damn well that Spiro and I will definitely be spending a lot of time debating the ranking of the best months. And anyone who doesn't think that number one is November can get the f out. There is no month like November. It is the greatest thing that ever happened ever. I get it. You start to get the feeling of it being too cold. I understand that. But it ain't. It's not December. It's not January. It's not February. It's just a reminder. It's coming. It's fall. Fall is perfect. Fall is when we have football. And the greatest... All right, I don't want to waste too much. This is going to all come up on the show tomorrow. We're doing this tomorrow. The greatest day of the year falls in one month. It's November. That's the best month. Period. Period. With a T, like the kids say. Spiro will join us tomorrow to talk about it. Now, part of the reason, I'm glad that Spiro will be here tomorrow. Oh, also, he doesn't think Rage Against the Machine should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So we'll, that'll probably come up at some point. God. Oh, it's so funny. He did. He asked all over uh, Rage when we were doing our Hall of Fame debate. Um... The moral of the story is that we will do that tomorrow, and it'll be good that Spiro's here, because after I go see Rage Against the Machine tonight, and I'm like, hey, you all won't do what you tell me! You all won't do it! I'm going to be that guy. Bulls on parade! I'm going to scream along with every song. I, there, I will not have a voice tomorrow. And I'm sorry. I'm just telling you that in advance. Be prepared so Spiro can handle most of the talking. What am I supposed to go? Go see Rage Against the Machine and not yell along? Come on. What are we doing? What are we doing? All right, so that's what's going on. Today on the program, we will uh, have Drew Forrester join us. We will also uh, catch up with the great Gary Thorne. Of course, obviously, very sad news last night. Again, it's the same thing I said when we were talking about Bill Russell on uh, the radio show on Sunday. It's not tragic. When someone lives an incredibly complete life, 
their death is by no means a tragedy. It's still sad. It's sad to lose an icon, no matter what their age is. It's a tragedy when a young person passes away. Any Jalen Ferguson dying was a tragedy. Vince Scully's passing is not a tragedy. Vince Scully lived an unbelievable life. But it's still sad. Vince Scully, um, the legendary longtime voice of the Dodgers, who was also a voice of many national sporting events over the years. It's, it's amazing to think about all of the moments that Vince Scully was involved with. You know, when, when someone's so associated with one team, it's easy to, um, to forget all of the other things they did and forget that, like, he was on the call for Dwight Clark's catch and he was on the call for the Mets, you know, in the Bill Buckner play. I appreciate uh, Griffin, of course, to honor the great Vin Scully came in today in his Padres uniform, which I... Who's wait, is that a Machado or it's a, it? I got a Juan Soto jersey once. I mean, I'm going all in with the Padres now that they're wait, wait, are they're you winning. S- is that really a Juan Soto no, jersey? No, no, I'm like, no, what it's, the it's hell? It's a Tatis jersey. Oh, it's Tatis. I do yes. like Fernando Tatis. No, is he back? Did he come back? Uh, he should be back like this week or next. I think he's, I thought, I thought he's coming that, back. But yeah. they're at, yeah, they're adding some big uh, bats man, to this lineup man, this week. They're so. going for it. They are going for it. And Plus, I, noticed I got stains on this jersey. I don't know what they're from. Mm, so that's kind of mm, not good. Mm. Well, at least it's not a white jersey, pal. That that would be really bad. That'd be really bad. That'd be really bad. That's my problem. I love white jerseys. White jerseys are like my that's my like, favorite. I don't. I don't. I'm wearing a white shirt today yeah. too, and it's probably a mistake. I'm gonna go over to Glory Days later, get some of that, uh, get the opener, and have uh, Korean number two sauce all over my shirt in a second. Um, Carson Weekly at the end of the show yesterday was like, "All right, guys, I'm done. Like, I'm gone. See you forever." I'm like, "What the f?" Maybe give me a little bit of a heads up that today was gonna be your last show. So I told him he has to come back. He's like doing the math. He's like, "Well, I'm home for one day before I go back to college." I'm like, "Well, you're gonna come in, and we'll go to Glory Days. That will be how that goes." So I look forward to that. Um, yeah, Gary Thorne will join us, and we will talk about the legendary Vin Scully. And, and why? Why was it that Vin Scully was so widely accepted as being the greatest broadcaster of all time? To take nothing away from him. And obviously, I understand why anyone in Los Angeles would feel that way. But why does the entire country feel that way about Vin Scully? It's a question that I can't define, and I'm hoping that Gary Thorne can help us out with a little bit. Of course, um, famously, when Vin was retiring a few years ago... Um, it was made more public. You know, the first ever sporting event that Vin Scully ever called Griffin was. Sorry, I was reading something. I'm sorry. I'm well. got it, we got to lock that up. We got to lock know, that up. We got to lock Repeat that up. Repeat the question, you please. Got, no, 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 we we got to talk about that. Okay. You, you got to stop. You can't can't do that. Okay. We're doing a show. Okay. All right. This is going to be a coaching moment right now. I understand. I understand. This is We're doing a show. Nothing else. You want to have Twitter up in the background in case something breaks? That's fine. No problem. If you want to be the one to say, "Hey, uh, I got news," but you gotta be, I understand. You gotta I be understand. logged in. We're gonna, we'll, we'll skip that part. And we'll skip that part altogether. Um, famously, the first ever sporting event that Vince Scully ever called was a Maryland football game oh, really? against uh, Boston University at Fenway Park, um, and he did it from the roof. And apparently, um, apparently, he did not wear a hat or gloves or anything like that despite the fact that it was freezing cold outside and that was what impressed Red Barber and that's why Red Barber was willing to give him a job so that's pretty cool also this morning uh, Mike Devereaux is going to join us and Mike played for the Dodgers for a little bit so we'll probably bring up Vin Scully when we chat with Mike Devereaux but obviously um, the, the bigger reason why Mike Devereaux is going to join us is because um, he's coming back to town he will be here at uh, Camden Yards this weekend celebrating 
the uh, 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards. So we will catch up with Mike Devereaux this morning to talk about that, the anniversary, what's going on in his world. I've talked many times during my career about the fact that as a child, Mike Devereaux was singularly my favorite baseball player ever. Ever. Loved Mike Devereaux to the point where I asked my mother to sew his name and number on the back of a blank jersey so that I could go as Mike Devereaux for Halloween one year. Believe it or not, we didn't look exactly alike. (laughs) We didn't look exactly alike. But other than that, other than that. All right, so um, that's coming up on the program today. And, of course, Would You Rather Wednesday. The scenarios are up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio for you to respond. Pretty straightforward scenarios today. I didn't try to complicate much of anything because I feel like we've struggled with that a bit over the, uh, over the years. Didn't try to complicate things with Would You Rather Wednesday. What are you uh, trying to tell me? What are you? All right, so uh, we're going to talk to Rick Dempsey in 15 minutes. Uh, okay. All right. Um, do you have Drew's number? I do, yes. All right, see if you can. I like Rick. I mean, I'm happy. To, Rick, of course, also played for the Dodgers. I think everybody knows that. And so we'll, I guess we'll spend a couple minutes talking about them. Uh, uh, Scully. We're, we're doing a lot of Vince Scully this morning. Doing a lot of that. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk to Rick. I love Rick. Everybody knows I love Rick. I, it's Uncle Rick, right? I, I, but next time, once we've got a guest to talk about the topic, we don't need to double up on okay that. you know what i mean like it's okay it's okay we'll be all right it's okay i know we're still learning i know we're still uh, getting getting at this um it's 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 fine it's fine we'll talk to rick dempsey because who doesn't love rick dempsey who doesn't love the great rick dempsey all right um orioles win last night obviously there's nothing more to say about the trade deadline i, I have a column coming today at pressboxonline.com my I did my weekly hit with uh, Coleman last night on the fan, and, and I said, look, man, as far as the con- trades that were made are concerned, I'm largely neutral. And I told you guys the way that I felt about this yesterday. I think they did better than I expected they could do with, for Trey Mancini, so I'm not as worked up about it. I don't think they did as well as I thought they were going to do on Jorge Lopez. Of course, that can be proven wrong down the line, but on paper, I'm disappointed by what they got for Jorge Lopez. So if I'm you know, kind of impressed on what they did on one and disappointed on what they did on the other, it kind of works out the neutral. I'm largely neutral with the trades themselves. The thing that does irk me, there are two things that irk me. The first, I can't get over the comments that Mike Elias made. I can't get over that. I can't get over that the call was coming from inside the house. I can't believe that it was the baseball team that was trying to throw cold water. Mike Elias represents the team. He is a spokesperson for the team. I can't believe he would be the one throwing cold water on a fan base and the love affair they're feeling with the team. I can't believe that. I don't care. Those of you that are like, I appreciate the honesty. Get the F out of here, man. There is a city trying to fall in love with a baseball team again. The least you could do is say, we think we got a shot. You don't have to drastically change your plans. As I said yesterday, there's a million things you could do. We understand it's going to be difficult, but we like the group that we've got out there. We don't think we drastically change those chances. You could say honestly, 
hey, we're going to fight to try to get in. We know it's going to be difficult to win a World Series and want to keep our focus on trying to win a World Series long term. To throw cold water on, I don't think it's probable to get a wild card is nuts. It's a nuts thing for representative of a team to say. And I get it. Mike Elias's concern is baseball and baseball only. But at some point, you have to show concern for the fan base and the separation that has existed between the franchise and the fan base for the last five years. I'm befuddled by those comments. I, I am hoping that he just honestly misspoke. And that if somebody you know, talked to him about it 24, 48 hours later, he'd say, dude, I, I regret that. I shouldn't have done that. I should not have publicly said that. And on top of that, obviously, the players are in the clubhouse. Of course, the players are in the clubhouse, clearly unaffected by it, because <clears throat> all they've done is gone out and win the next two games they played. But I'm still, it's, it bothers me greatly that Mike Elias said that. And you can say, well, I thought you're the type that likes honesty. I like honesty, but the problem is, if this is honest, I got a problem with it. Like, just saying something honestly, it's like saying um, when somebody says, well, I, 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 I hate gay people. Why? Wow, what didn't you? They were honest. Don't you respect that? No. No, and I'm not trying to make it abundantly clear. I'm not comparing anything about what Michael I said to him. Somebody saying that they hate gay people. I want to make that abundantly clear. But just being honest doesn't make something okay. It's not okay to throw cold water on a fan base. You can make the same moves that you're making and just gauge it in another way. Just come up with anything else to say besides it's not probable that we're going to win a wild card. Huh. Well, I, I guess I don't need to waste my time coming out of the games, right? If you, a representative of the team, are telling me that this doesn't mean anything, then what am I doing? I was going to have to suffer through a Smash Mouth concert this weekend. I thank you for allowing me to cancel my plans. I'm not trying to be overdramatic about it because I don't think it's the end of the world, but I, st- I can't get over it. I can't believe that he said that. It's, I'm flummoxed. In the depths of my soul, I'm flummoxed. I can justify the moves that are being made. I don't love them. I think anybody who's celebrating... Or was trying to claim like the Orioles had some victory by making these trades. Stop it. Stop. You're embarrassing yourself too. You have no clue. You're just saying words for the sake of saying words. Either because you want to feel better, because I get it. You always want everything to be rosy when you're a fan. Well, the Orioles are doing the smart thing. You don't have a, a, a tenth of an idea if they're doing the smart thing. Sometimes it's okay to just say nothing. Or to be neutral. It's okay to say I'm neutral about this. I don't know. I have no idea if the Orioles made good decisions this week. I, Glenn Clark, have no clue. What I do know is that you can't, as the general manager of the team, throw out with a fan base listening that has been fractured and has been through hell And still has questions about the long-term health of the organization. You can't say to them, guys, come on, this is fool's gold. This isn't real. You can't say that. The other issue I have, admittedly, with what has happened and transpired this week, is that I have said all along, 
The reason why I would still be okay with, say, trading a Jorge Lopez, the reason why I'm not going to lose my mind, where I can even say it's justifiable, is because there's one phrase that I've continued to say from moment one this season I'm not going to abandon despite the fact that the Orioles are suddenly in the thick of a playoff race. That phrase is that next year is more important than this year. And in deciding when they were going to call up prospects and deciding how they are going to handle their business, I continuously said that. Next year is more important than this year. And I'm not wavering from that. The problem is the Orioles aren't saying that. Not with what they've done. The Orioles would be more inclined to be saying nothing matters until 2024. Because they're doing nothing that would project or portray that next year they're looking to compete either. They acquired six players. Of those six, one of them is above the single-A level. One. These weren't moves that were made with the thought that next year matters. And I get it. The argument is that next year they're not likely to move into World Series contention either. I understand. I mean, I, I, I do. I, I do understand. But next year is when they should be taking the step towards it. And we've talked about the need for them to go out and spend money this offseason. Sign pitching. Show progress. Show the window opening. Winning games this year is good, but again, you're telling us this is fool's gold. Those are your words. Progress has to be made. What they did at the deadline does not preclude them from going out and signing players this offseason. It doesn't preclude them from starting to put a shift moving into gear for next year to be a year that matters, where they think they can compete, where they think they could be worthy of getting into the postseason, of taking a step in the direction. But they've still not bought out anyone's arbitration years. They've still showed no commitment long-term to any of the young players as being core pieces of what they're doing for the future. You could say that Adley Rutschman is the obvious one, and of course he is. And by the way, it's, it really is amazing watching Adley Rutschman become the player everyone said he was going to be literally right in front of our eyes. It, it is what a joy it is to get to watch Adley Rutschman play baseball and realize, holy crap, this guy is the guy. It's insane. I, it, it warms my heart. But is Adley Rutschman going to be a centerpiece for 10 years to come? Or is Adley Rutschman going to be a guy who's here until you have to pay him? I don't have any reason to believe they're not going to pay someone, but I don't know what reason I have, if I'm an average fan, to have faith in it either. The Orioles have to decide who they're going to be. And they don't have to decide it today. I I, I do want to be fair about this. These aren't decisions that have to be made today, but they shouldn't be waiting two more years. 
Winning shouldn't get in the way of the plan. Winning should be the plan. Which doesn't mean you needed to go all in now. Because again, there is room to be realistic. But part of being realistic should be, hey, it's time for us to accelerate. And maybe move it up a year. Maybe reconsider when it is that we're going to start spending money. Reconsider what we want to do in a trade. And instead of valuing getting a number of young pieces, perhaps we value guys that could be ready sooner and difference makers. And I don't know what was on the table. I don't know what kind of offers they had. Maybe this is literally all they could do for Jorge Lopez. Maybe this is literally all they could do for Trey Mancini. And again, I think they did fairly well for Trey Mancini. They injected a new number three overall pitching prospect into their system. I would have bet against that, again, with a qualification, that that guy's not going to be helpful for a while. Single-A pitcher that's got to go through Tommy John surgery. Not going to pitch at all, and then still has to graduate, go through the steps when he does. I get it. Tommy John surgery is, is not the career ruiner that we once upon a time thought it was going to be. When When is the window? When is it? Because if Adley Rutschman isn't bought out of his arbitration years, then his clock's going to start ticking. And, and again, I hope that I don't have to panic about any of these things. I hope that they'll get it all right and that they'll learn from the last time. But I have every right after what happened the last time with Manny Machado, and this fan base <clears throat> has every right to be concerned about it. And to say, hey, we don't just have blind faith. You've got to give us the reason to have faith. I like a lot of what Mike Elias has done, but I have no idea if Mike Elias knows how to build a champion. And to say, well, the Astros turned into champions... That's fine. Mike Elias wasn't making the final calls. And the Astros showed a commitment to doing what was necessary in order to bridge the gap. Will the Orioles? We don't know. They might. I certainly hope they will. I I would like to believe that they didn't go into this without a commitment that, hey, when we get there, we're going to do what's necessary. But I don't know that. And I keep hoping for a sign. I keep hoping for one particular thing that gives me that comfort, that faith that they will. We'll see. We'll see. I'm writing about it today at PressBoxOnline.com. I have no thought whatsoever. on. I, I can't fathom why you would give up, not $100,000. I don't know why you would give up $1 for Brett Phillips. I... I I am so befuddled by an interest in Brett Phillips. Seems like a great guy. Seems like a great guy. I have no idea why you would put Brett Phillips on your baseball team instead of allowing one of your players to to get whatever at-bats Brett Phillips might get. I'll never understand that. The guy's hitting 147 this year, and it's not all that drastically off of his career average of 190. I can't believe the guy's been in Major League Baseball as long as he has as a 190 career hitter. And it ain't because he hit so many home runs. So weird. Such a weird bit. All right. Um, 
I, I, I love this guy. Of course, um, you know, the, the MVP of the 1983 World Series, an Orioles Hall of Famer, and a guy that we welcomed into our uh, living rooms and our homes for years as a broadcaster. But um, would actually like to spend a little bit of time talking about the other World Series that he won, and that was in 88 with the Dodgers um, and, and getting to be have his games called by a legend. Joining us now here on GCR, he is the great Rick Dempsey, and he's with us. Rick, it's Glenn back in Baltimore. It's always good to catch up, my friend. Thank you for taking the time. How for are us. you, Glenn? I miss you guys, I'll tell you. Miss you, sir. <laughs> miss you. You know, we love Thank you. You, you oh, know yeah. that. Um, I know it. Rick, when I say the name Vin Scully, what what just yes. what comes to mind for you? What I what comes to mind is when I was eight years old and I'd go to sleep at night. I'd take that little radio under the blanket and the covers so my mom and dad wouldn't hear, wouldn't hear it. But I would listen to Vin Scully announce those Dodger games and talk about Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax and all of the great great players that the Dodgers had around those times. And you know. Listening to Vinny call the game and the reflection of his voice and everything was so inspirational to me. Um, he just brought so much excitement and so much life just by calling a strikeout, by calling a base hit, by calling a home run. Uh, listening to the way he handled that World Series game just brought so much color and so much excitement to the fans. Um, and then I had uh, the gift of, of of going to the Dodgers late in my career and playing what he called the impossible dream season for the mm -hmm. Dodgers, mm -hmm. probably ranked the worst team on paper in World Series history, playing the best team on paper, the Oakland A's in World Series history. And when Kurt Gibson hit that home run, it's like the floodgates opened up. It was vintage Vin Scully that just enamored the Los Angeles Dodgers to every baseball fan across the country. It is such a sad day for us all. You know, Rick, it's, it's fascinating to me because I, I'm going to guess that an, a large number of baseball players don't, I mean, they, they're aware of the guy who's calling the games. Like they see him obviously on the road, yeah. things like that. But I'm going to guess that most of them aren't terribly concerned about who it is that's calling their games. Why? Why well, was it yeah, so special for for it to be Vin? Well, it, it was just it was all about Vinny. Vinny was God's gift to baseball. He just brought so much color, and he 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 in, in, inflected so much excitement about baseball that anyone who loved the game would want to listen to a Vin Scully because he just somehow. <laughs> He had an effect on the sports world. It wasn't just baseball. It was football. It was golf. You know, his voice and, and his character more than anything else. I mean, I, I think back at when uh, Lenny Dykstra and I got in a fight at Dodger Stadium, you know, um, and Vinny was calling that. And, you know, he wasn't happy about the fact that we were fighting down on the field. He, he, he had this personality about ba baseball that it should be played one way and that you know it should never get to the point where guys are out there slamming each other down on the field wow. he realized it was part of the game but he was very consistent in his feelings about how things 
you know, needed to be down on the field to make baseball great. And, and he stayed consistent all the time. And we got along beautiful. He lived close to me. I saw Vinny on many of occasions, you know, I really enjoyed it because he's the one that got my life started in baseball because listening to the way he called the game made me want to play the game. And once I started to play the game, I just never wanted to give it up. I was a terrible student, didn't go to college, <laughs> and I just wanted to play baseball, you know, and at, at age eight years old, it didn't matter that I signed my first contract at 145 pounds to be a catcher, and everybody was totally against me. I mean, I had to play baseball. I wanted someday for Ben Scully to be announcing my name in a wow. major league lineup and maybe, at, uh, of course, every kid dreams of being the MVP of a World Series. Well, it happened. My my dream came true. And so, I mean, you know, to have Ben Scully talk about it um, in Los Angeles has it has has given me uh, some character with the LA fans because they know that I came in and played the Angels in playoffs and and had a pretty good series uh, against. Um, those people, but, you know, Vince Scully is just a baseball person. And, you know, if, if you don't like Vince Scully, you're, you're, you're not a good person. <laughs> you don't have a soul. I, I, we can agree on that. Rick. You don't have a soul. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. love Vince Scully. <laughs> uh, the great Rick Dempsey chatting with us on GCR. Rick, Rick did, did your relationship with Vin it, it impact you? Obviously, you weren't doing, you were never doing play-by-play as a broadcaster. You weren't doing what Vin did. No. But did it impact you as you made the jump into broadcasting that, you know, you heard yeah. his voice and that you, you wanted to, you know, do respect to him or something along those lines? Well, you know, I, I had the pleasure of working with Tom Davis, and he had a huge effect on me um, in, in this world. And so, um, I, I was so bad starting out. I just didn't know. I just idolized, uh, uh, Ben Scully and Tom Davis, you know, was, was right online, you know, uh, with him too, in, in a lot of respects, like calling a ball game, um, he just had a, a great voice and a, a great knowledge of the game, and he knew how to make people feel good about it. And so um, that's what I, I got from Vin Scully. You know, uh, he always brought out the best parts of the game, the, the great plays. Um, and, you know, down on the field, sometimes it didn't seem like, oh, you know, that's routine. That's what Brooks mm-hmm. Robinson does. He makes great plays. But when you have a guy – like Vin Scully called those plays um, it, back when the Orioles were playing the Dodgers in a World Series. I mean, it just added so much color and so much joy to, to the way he announced it. And, you know, it's, it's truly what made baseball what it is today. It's awesome. Oh, it's awesome to hear you say those things. Oh, it's so cool. And, and, yeah. You know, the, the other thing that, John, that I, I, so many people have talked about, and I only had one conversation with Vin in my life, but the person he was tends to go right along with the conversation about the broadcaster that he was. And Rick, you, as you mentioned, the friendship that you developed with him over the years, can you speak to, you know, how someone who was so iconic, so beloved, such an, a larger-than-life figure 
continued to be such a gentleman and so respected and, and gave so much time to so many people. Well, you said it as good as anybody could say it just now. He was the gentleman of Major League Baseball just by the way he called the game. And, you know, he just um, he made you feel better about the game. He made your team better to play in front of him, you know, to listen to how he described. And think of all the stuff that he that he did at age 22. He comes to the the big leagues and starts announcing for the Brooklyn Dodgers and just, I mean, everybody started to fall in love with him and he just created a dynasty for himself. And there was no fooling around because I know that there were times when uh, I was asked to do things with Vinny. Uh, Vinny had a way about him. He didn't want to dilute um, anything about the game. So he would only allow a certain amount of people in uh, in the booth with him at a time. Hmm. It was pure professionalism. That's the only way to describe him. He knew how to bring the best to baseball fans everywhere. And it just, he'll live on forever. There will never be another Vince Scully. There's been a lot of great announcers uh, around baseball in Detroit and a lot of places like that. But there'll never be another Vince Scully that and the way that people loved him all over the world uh, will never be matched again. And we were lucky enough to live through uh, his era and, and and hear the best of all kinds. It's incredible. It's so powerful listening to you talk about him, Rick. If I could, because we're talking about good guys, um, we had a good guy leave Baltimore this week. Um, can can you describe? You know, I, I know that you haven't been around the last couple of years, but you know damn well what Trey Mancini meant to the city of Baltimore and to this Orioles franchise. Um, can can you put into words for someone who never played in a playoff game, who never played in an All Star game as an Oriole? Could you describe what you think Trey Mancini has meant to this city and this franchise over the last seven years? He's been a lift for this organization for a long time. The Orioles haven't been in in playoffs or World Series uh, since 1983. And so, um, you know, it's just um, with Trey Mancini going through what he went through with cancer with a smile on his face and, and a fire in his heart to get better and to come back and then to do what he's done. You know, right now he's the best offensive player that the Orioles have. Um, it's been tough for him to, to come back from his cancer. And, but I think everybody appreciates the fact that he still remains a very classy person, yeah. someone who, you know, there was no complaining whatsoever about the bad break that he got and everything. He just came back and gave you everything he has. And so, you know, I kind of knew the way baseball is today that there was a very good good chance they would trade him. And in a way, I'm happy for him because he'll go to the Houston Astros now and they'll probably juice up that contract on a yearly basis. But, you know, it'll put him at least a little bit closer to where he should be uh, compared to a lot of players uh, around Major League Baseball. But you kind of knew that since he really was uh, more of an offensive player that the team, 
you know, considering the direction they're going in, would look to get some younger players for him if they had that opportunity. And that's what, what came. They got a lot of good young pitching uh, from this deal. And it's the nature of baseball today. And I know it's going to break a lot of hearts around yep. Baltimore because he was just one of the all-time great guys that the Earls had brought in. Yep, we will miss him. We will miss him terribly in this city, Rick. <laughs> we will miss him badly. Yeah, I know you will. How, how, how are you doing, my friend? How's, how's, how's life treating Rick Dempsey? Uh, well, it, it, it's it's baseballless right now, but I'm I'm trying to keep my uh, my hands and my <laughs> my toes in major league in baseball. I watch the Orioles probably eighty percent of their games, wow. uh, and I see that they're finally making a turn. Yes, they are. Uh, and and uh, there's a couple of elements there that have been missing for quite a while. And, and so the, the defense is slowly coming back and the offense has been timely, maybe not great, but it's been very timely and they're winning some, uh, some one and two run ball games. And that's a key for them to keep it going. I'm just hoping that, uh, that they can because they've certainly opened eyes this last month in baseball. They, they made that turn for the positive and, uh, and there's the, and things are falling in place for them. So let's see what happens from this point on. Uh, they can't give up trying to improve this ball club because they're in the toughest division in all of baseball, yeah. and they've been slapped around uh, as much as any team has ever been. And so they, you know, losing over a hundred games three years in a row is no fun. And but they've kept their their head up, and they they keep digging, and they've actually got a shot. And if the the Dodgers of 1988 can win a World <laughs> Series, get in the playoffs and win a World Series, trust me when I say so can the Orioles. This is why we love Rick Dempsey. He, you Unabashedly, you are a glass half full guy. And that's what we love about you, my friend. <laughs> we will always well, thank love you that for that. You. Yeah. Uh, Rick Dempsey, <laughs> uh, truly appreciate you taking time for us this morning as always. It is, it is great to hear your voice. We should do this more frequently. And I apologize that we don't call more often. Thank you for taking the time for us this Glenn, morning. Thank you so much for, for remembering. Thank oh, you. And giving you, me a call. I've, I've enjoyed every minute. Appreciate you, Rick. Appreciate you, Rick. All right, you win this one, Griffin. As it turns out, I I I, I used to say it all the time. I get that that people would have their fun with Rick and you know the, the Uncle Rick thing. I don't care. I love Rick Dempsey, and I will always love Rick Dempsey. And even when he was trying to make things seem like they were better than they were, I don't care. I love Rick Dempsey. I will always, forever, eternally love Rick Dempsey. Deal with it. He's also, you know, a very, very kind man and incredibly. Go ahead. We'll figure out the breaks. We'll, whatever. We'll figure it out. We got time. We'll just, we'll do what we got to do. Um, and that was powerful. You know, you, you, obviously he played for the Dodgers, but of course Rick also grew up um, in Southern California. And so listening to him tell the stories of, you know, wanting to sneak away from his parents to listen to Vince Scully call baseball games. That's it's powerful stuff. I mean, it's very powerful. I appreciate that conversation. All right. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. The place to be for every sporting event, including, seriously, the, the silly hall at the Jake Lutton Showcase tomorrow night. The Jaguars and the Raiders. You can bet on it. You can start winning money on football games tomorrow 
in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. And bet pads are coming. In the coming weeks, you will be able to bet from the comfort of your own seat. So why don't you go ahead and guarantee, lock your seat in, reserve your seat for Sunday night football, Thursday night football, Monday night football this season, Ravens games. I keep trying to warn you about that first weekend of college football, which is delicious. And you could do your fantasy draft there while you're betting on the college football games. Go ahead and lock that in by emailing events at sportssocialmd.com. Events at sportssocialmd.com is the email address if you want to lock in your spot to be hanging out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Well, I guess um, I guess we'll try to take the break. Now, Would You Rather Wednesday Scenarios, brought to you by Glory Days Grill. They are up at Glenn Clark Radio. Three of them, quickly. Number one, would you rather the Orioles indeed sign Trey Mancini back at the end of the year to a reasonable four-year, $50 million deal, or no, inevitably, those at-bats do have to go to someone else. Love Trey, but you can't do it. Number two, you were the winner of the the $1 billion lottery that happened last week. Would you rather go show up, take all those winnings, but it's publicly announced that you were the winner, and now everyone you know knows of your extreme wealth? Or would you rather a trusted friend says, hey, man, I tell you what, I'll go say I was the winner. I'll take the bullet. You give me 30% of what you want. And no one will ever know that you have this extraordinary wealth because they'll think that I won. But it's going to cost you 30% of your winnings. All right? Number three, would you rather go back, live the life of the legendary, iconic Vin Scully who passed away last night? Or go back, live the life, and continue to live the life of Tom Brady, who celebrates his 45th birthday today. Two icons, two larger-than-life figures. One who was able to do what he did at a high level far beyond when anybody else could. The other, the same. Which would you rather? Those are the three Would You Rather Wednesday scenarios brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Get your responses in at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio as well. Drew Forrester, Drew's Morning Dish.com, Fairways and Greens on 1057 The Fan. What's going on, pal? How are you? So there's country music in the background that might bleed over, but I can't move. Because so if I move, you I might you lose get, your yeah, I might lose the hit. signal. Right. So <laughs> so so what what the you went camping? Like you're you're like a hundred years old. What are you doing? Just getting back in touch with Earth, man. You know. What are you talking about getting back in touch with Earth? Was this Ethan's idea? Like, whose idea was it to go camping? We go. We do it all the time. What are you talking about? I've never. You, I've never. You never told Every year. me. Really? Where do you go? Every year. Where do you go? Um, this year we're at um, Mountain Creek up in Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. Do you now? What What, what is camping in the Forester House? Is it like really roughing it, or do you guys like rent a cabin or something like that? No, 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 no. We have a trailer. 
Okay. So it's half roughing it. Half roughing it. Yeah, it's half roughing right. it. I got to tell you, my my father in law's got it made. They got they got a, a camper that's so amazing. I would live there. I was like, this is nicer than most of the houses I've oh, lived in. There's a hundred of those here. Gosh. There are there are tons of those here. Man, I'm like, I don't need to walk outside at all. I can just hang out in this thing for a little while. Yeah, no, there are tons of them here. All right. Well, um, what, what's so? Go ahead and give me your thumbnail on the last couple of days and and Trey and. Oh, well, I'm really excited about Brett Phillips, so, and I think so, he could wind up being so embarrassing. As I said this morning, he could be the Nate McLeod. <laughs> he might be the one that hits <laughs> one off the foul <laughs> pole <laughs> against <laughs> the Yankees. Well, they, I don't know if you heard. Nate McLeod didn't do that. He missed. He missed the foul. I was there. Yeah. That ball hit the bowl. Yeah. I was um, at that game, and it hit the bowl. Uh, I, it, um, it, it's comical, yes. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm on the other side of it because I do think that I know Elias doesn't think they have a chance to make it. I do think they have a chance to make it, and they might still even have a chance to make it, even without those two guys. I, I, and By the way, and I, 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 I said to you a month ago they could move Lopez, and it wouldn't bother yeah, me at yep. all. Mancini bothers you for all the reasons that we all know. Yep. Um do I think they're better without him? No, but I also don't think that he's, you know, we're not talking about Paul Goldschmidt, as I said this morning. Like, we're, you know, he is what he is. Like, we've always said that. Great guy, great person to have in your organization, good player. Yep, I agree with all those so, things. I What I would yeah. say is I am far more bothered by Mike Elias's comments than I am by the trades. Like, I, I truly, I'm, it irks me. And I, I, I think... The the honest he's I just think he's too honest and he's too robotic about baseball. I don't think Mike Elias is capable of considering what that message is to a fan base, right? Like all Mike Elias thinks about is doing what you're supposed to do for a baseball reason. I can't. But you are a, you are representing the organization and you're telling everyone, hey, this is fool's gold. Like there's a group of fans that want to fall in love with this team again. And you're publicly saying, hey, don't, this isn't real. Like, I can't believe he said that, whether he was being honest or not. Yeah, I would agree. I thought it was, um, and I, I don't know, maybe he was saying that to try to pry. I, I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe he had a deal on the table for Cedric Mullins, and he thought he was close to getting it, and he didn't want to give anything away and he felt like man if i get this message out there this somehow you know this this presents my side like i don't know because i also thought it was weird right like you're you're as close as any you're as close as anybody to making it none of these teams you're you think your team's worse than the white Sox? they can't win three games in a row you've had the third best record in the american league since may since May first, not even since Adley Rutschman right. arrived. Since May first, right. you had five good players. Correct. Like, why? <laughs> why can't I get it? Because again, there's a weird part of me. I kind of agree. I look at them on paper, and I'm like, well, I don't know if this can continue. But then the flip side is, why can't it? I don't. You've gotten to this point, despite the fact. I mean, that, you these these every night. I mean, pretty much, it's someone different, which is the tonic for an event like this to transpire. Right. You you're you're not getting a thirty thirty from Mullins and a two ninety one twenty six homer, hey, this dude could hit fifty homer a year right. from Mount Castle. Right. You're getting Mullins is having had a terrible start, had a really nice run, tapered off, now he's back again. You're getting Mount Castle struggling. Rutschman's come on and been great. Um 
Mateo, no one had any idea he would do this. He's going to hit 20 home runs by the end That's, of the year. It's nuts. Um, no, but to your point, for, the, for, the, the Urias kid. Right, for a month no, it was Austin nobody. Hayes. For a month it was Urias. For, right. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's, it's crazy. It's, and by the way, the, the right. one thing that I am coming around on is there's a chance that we underhyped Adley Rutschman. Like, we, we all talked that maybe we overhyped him. This kid is so good so quickly. There's a chance that we underhype this dude. It's insane how good Adley Rushman is this early. It's, I saw the list today, right? Bo Bichette, yeah. Chris Sabo, and somebody else are the only three people in the history of baseball that did what he did in his first 57 right. Hang on. There's a, there's a better one. It's him and Ted Williams in one category. It's Right, 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 right. I gotta and, I, and I'm not saying that Bo Bichette and Chris Sabo are any great shakes, but I am saying right. that well, in Bo the history of Bo Bichette's baseball. Bo Bichette's nice Chris Sabo, Chris Sabo right, had a but, good career. But, hey, this is the stat. Adley Rutschman is one of just two players with at least 20 doubles, 20 walks, and five home runs to their first 59 career games. The other is Ted Williams. Right. Right. I mean, when you start talking about positive things, not negative, uh, this guy's the first guy to strike out 24 times. There's only two guys that have ever struck out 24 times in the first 12 games. You know, not, no, we're not. We're going right. the other way. When you when you have a stat of any kind, and only two or three people in the history of the game have done it, and it's a good stat, that's pretty telling, no, right? Insane. I mean, it's. It's bonkers, yeah. and 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 it we we had seen all of the other things, like we had seen all the stuff that made us say, okay, we get it, like we get why we. Well, think you know he can catch. Correct. I mean, you know he can catch. You know, you know, he's, we got all of that. He's right? impacting a staff, like in a way that can't be defined by a statistic, right? Because these guys right. stink. Like there is no, the Orioles have no business pitching at all with this group of guys. And yet, they're pitching very well for the most part. I get it. It start the Blooms coming off the rose with Dean Kramer, and you know, I, they're going they're going to run into it. We saw all of those things. Now we're seeing a guy who's hitting two doubles every night. Who currently somewhere right now is hitting a double is standing on second base. This guy's insane. That's the one thing I would say that that's the most remarkable about all of it is this guy is everything everyone said he was going to be. It doesn't guarantee he's going to have a twelve year career or something like that. But all of the talent that people saw, yes, correct. They nailed it on this. This is one of the most talented kids we've ever seen come along. Imagine how many home runs he's going to hit in Fenway Park in 2028. Shut up. What a terrible person. Just imagine. What a monster you are. What an awful. He might hit 75 home runs. He might hit 75 home runs. If they're still playing in that ballpark, he might have 75. What a terrible person you are. God. You feel good about yourself? Um, You know that. There's only four places that he can possibly go. All right. right? So, so he, he could go to the Mariners. Shut, I mean, obviously. Shut up already. You, <laughs> shut up. Drew Forrest, Drew Forrest, All right. Uh, I, 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 you're camping, so we'll let you do that. But we're going to play Would You Rather Wednesday. Before that, I'll give you 20. What, does it matter? This, this thing everybody's flipping out about, about how much money Tiger Woods was offered. Like, I, I've heard people say, hey, well, don't forget Tiger Woods hates Greg Norman, so maybe that has something to do with it. I think it's very odd that Tiger Woods might prove to be the moral compass of the sport. Tiger Woods might prove to be that guy. Um, what do you make yeah, of all that conversation? Well, I would say that, first of all, they, they only wanted to give him $850 million to to do two things, right? To get him away from the tour. And even though he isn't really playing, and that's going to be my second point, 
they, they would get him away from the tour and it would be their, the ultimate, no pun intended here, it would be their ultimate trump card. We, we got the greatest player in the history of golf. I mean, we can argue about Jack, but Jack's not playing. We got, we got the greatest player in the history of golf to come to us. Now, at 32, would he have done this? At, at, you know, at the height of his career, would he have done this? I don't know. Maybe. But now, he's not playing. I don't know what value he would bring to them. He isn't playing any of their events. He's not getting on a plane and flying to Tokyo or, or Sydney to play in one of their events. He, he, he's not going to go play, you know, the London event. So I don't know what, what they were hoping to get out of him. He, he can't play anymore. Right. Like you saw that this summer. He, he no, played he Augusta. Fi- he physically can't do it. Right. He can't do it. Right. right. And he certainly can't do it now. I know what people are going to say. What about, what about 54 holes? Mm-hmm. What about the rumor that they told him he could use a cart? Like, I, I still don't think, I don't think as weird as it sounds, right? I don't think skirting the rules, insert your joke here. I don't think <laughs> skirting the rules appeals to him like that. I hear, I hear he, you. He, he wants I to play you. 72 hole events. He wants to walk. He doesn't want to be given any sort of free pass, he, he, he doesn't want that. He won't do it, right? So I don't know what value he would offer them, um, but I do think it's an interesting question. We'll never know the answer, but I do think it's an inter- interesting question is, you know, in 19 or in 20, 2008, would he have done it? Would he have said, and it wouldn't have been 850 then, probably would have been less, but would he have said, Hey, I'll I'll take five hundred million That's and I'll hop over right. there and play for three or four years. Okay, okay. He might have. Okay, but you know, I give him credit now, and maybe this is an easy position to adopt. But I, I give him credit now that he's, you know, I, I think Rory is the de facto mouthpiece for the other side. But you know, Tiger saying what he said at the British Open was pretty damning against them, and he did it in such a way that he wasn't overly spiteful. I didn't think he came across like that at all. I think he came across pretty much like, Hey man. And, and I think what he really wanted to say is in, in all honesty, what he really wanted to say, but he didn't say it is dude, I built this thing. All the, all the money that these guys are making at, on and live golf. They're making that because of me. Let's be honest. Okay. They're, they're all, they all stars on the PGA. They all became yep. stars on the PGA tour because of me. Indisputable. Justin Johnson made $45 million because of me. So he didn't want to say that. He didn't want to say, I'm not leaving the PJ tour. I built the friggin' thing. I, 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 you know, and when I say he built the friggin' thing, I mean, in his career, not, you know, Arnie helped Hogan helped Jack helped none of those guys because times change and, and the society evolves. None of those guys did what he has done. And I think he wanted to say that like, why would I leave? I built it. Yep. And yep. It's, it's been great for me. Yep. And oh, by the way, it's been great for the guys over there. Yep. Y'all should, y'all should thank all me. Yes, money. correct. Y'all should give me a right. piece of correct. it. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Right. No one right. actually cares so, about Bryson DeChambeau. They care about golf because I made them care about golf. And now correct. you care. Exactly right. All right correct. Let me, let me, so I think he wanted to say that, but he just couldn't do it. Yep. You know. Let me let me get the Would You Rather Wednesday quickly. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Let's try to go through these in, uh, at rapid pace. Uh, would you rather the Orioles indeed re-sign Trey Mancini after the year's over, uh, or no, those at-bats need to go somewhere else? Um, 
you know, I, I think, I think you would, you kind of sort of have to see what else they're going to do, but I, I would lean towards he can go ahead and move on. Okay. Number two, would you, but, like- I, I, but again, I wouldn't mind seeing what else they're going to do. I yeah. do think that's yeah, fair. I, I agree. Uh, number but, two, would you rather, would you rather you won the billion dollar lottery? Would you rather, yes. hang on, no, yes. stop, stop. Would you rather <laughs> come forward as the singular winner and now everyone on the planet knows about your extreme wealth? Or a trusted friend says, tell you what, you give me 30%, no one will ever know that you won. I'll take that. Hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I get, I get it all, but everyone knows I got it all, and I got yep. people like you exactly right. off me. Yep, a hundred percent. Or you can I just, get, you keep you keep living your life. It's like nothing ever happened. You keep seventy percent of all those winnings, and somebody else takes that bullet for you. This is the dumbest question I've ever heard. What are you talking about? <sighs> I don't know. Give me the whole thing all so right. I can all right. so all I right. can give money to you people like you and get you off my all case. Right. Right. You know, you'd still be allowed to give people money. I don't know if you've heard. You'd still be allowed to do that. I know, but I don't have, but I don't have all any. All right. And, and if uh, I did, I would. Number three, would you rather have lived the life of the legendary Vin Scully or live the life and continue to live the life of Tom Brady? He turns 45 today. Oh, Tom Brady's 45 today? He is. He is. He's got six more years left. Probably. Um, Boy, oh boy, I don't know. I've never seen Vince Scully's wife, but I'm leaning towards Brady. Jesus. All right. What's what, Fairways and Greens? I mean, no, no, that's I'm perfect. Just saying, it's perfect. Dude. It's perfect. I'm not going to. It's perfect. Fairways and Greens, I mean, Sunday at noon, 1057. Real quick, by the way, i got to say this real quick. Yeah. If you haven't seen the one minute and two um, clip of Vince Scully talking about Madison Baumgartner oh, yeah. killing a snake, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. While he's doing the play-by-play, yep. it's, it's unbelievable. It's incredible. You're 100% right. It's it's crazy. Drewsmorningdish.com, 1057 The Fans, Sunday at noon for Fairways and Greens. Appreciate you, pal. We will uh, talk to you next week. i got to go make some scrapple. Enjoy. Enjoy your scrapple. Weirdo. All right, we come back in. We will uh, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, Vince Scully. The great Gary Thorne is going to join us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Hey, Birdland, join in on the fun and celebrate the 30th anniversary of Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Saturday, August 6th, as the O's take on the Pittsburgh Pirates at 5.05. The first 15,000 fans 15 and over will receive a 30th anniversary Oriole Park t-shirt. Then stay post-game for the Birdland Summer Music Series presented by Miller Lite, I Love the 90s Concert, featuring Drew Hill with a special performance by Cisco and Smash Mouth. Tickets start as low as $15 at Orioles.com slash tickets. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgambling.com. That first sip. That first bite. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast, Royal Farms. Summer is in full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going, gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and the future is brighter than ever for your Baltimore Orioles. I'm Paul Valley and I'm Zach Goodman. And together we bring you the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon with everything you need to know about the Orioles and baseball as a whole. From veterans like Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Ryan Mountcastle to young stars like Adley Rutschman, Grayson Rodriguez, and D.L. Hall. We've got you covered for every game, every pitch, and every debut. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or you can listen at pressboxonline.com slash radio. So join us live on the bat around every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. It's statistically proven that the show sounds better if you're not wearing pants. Like me. Right now. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. Continue to get me responses for Would You Rather Wednesday at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. We will give away a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill for someone who participates today. Uh, today's show also brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models, a RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Mike Devereaux will join us later on this hour. One of my favorites. Uh, somebody's all worked up. Uh, Eric Eric uh, is mad online uh, at me because I actually... You know what? I'll I'll get to that. We will get to all of you and more responses for Would You Rather Wednesday coming up this hour. But as we uh, we continue to reflect again, it's 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 almost a little bit strange because Vin Scully was so synonymous with one particular fan base, one particular franchise. But yet the the reaction, the sadness is so much more global than that. Um, we've truly lost an icon, and. And I, I did have the, that question, why? Why is Vin held so singularly as being the, the greatest voice in the history of baseball? And I was really hoping that our next guest could help me answer that question because he was a damn good voice of baseball and obviously someone who we were thrilled to welcome into our homes uh, for years here in Baltimore as the voice of the Orioles on Mass. And he is the legendary Gary Thorne, and he's back with us here on GCR. Gary, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It is always good to chat with you. Thank you, my friend, for taking a couple of minutes for yes. us. Yes. Sure, Glenn. Nice to talk with you. Can Can you explain to me, Gary, they, they, there have been so many great broadcasters in this sport. We have, you know, we have had so many legends that have come. Can you give us an idea of why it is that Vin was so separated and held so singularly as the sacred voice of this sport? Well, I think duration certainly has a lot to do with it. <clears throat> when you've done 67 years, 
with a team, um, it, it, you're going to get noticed and you're going to become known. So I think that's a very big part of that. Secondly, it was the Dodgers and it was the Brooklyn Dodgers and the Los Angeles Dodgers. So the whole story of the move of baseball to the West Coast of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier uh, all was part of Vinny's career. And so he lived through that. He, you know, when people wanted to have a story about the move or about about Jackie, then you'd go to Vin. So nationally, issues that were national in scope beyond just baseball became part of what, what Vin talked about and what he did, and people came to know him through that. And you're talking about, you know, the two large media markets. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in New York and you're in Los Angeles, there's a tremendous amount of attention directed to the teams that are in those cities and thus to the broadcasters who cover those games. You put all of, I think you put all of that together, and, and then you've got Benny himself. I mean, the fact that, that he was just such a natural talent and such a natural personality on the air that people just fell in love with him and loved listening to him. And then you've got his national programs where he was doing, you know, he did World Series, uh, he did golf, he did, a, he did a number of events that brought him national television attention. So when you put all that together, that's a big pie. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, he's just so noted and, and so well-known. And the fact that his consideration as being such a great baseball broadcaster is just the fact that he was. People love listening to him. Look, in the end, in this business, I don't care what sport you're broadcasting, People got to like it. And if they don't like it, you're not going to get known. As <laughs> simple as that. Uh, and, and Vinny was, was loved. Whether you, whether you were a Dodger fan or not, uh, Vinny was somebody you could always listen to, you wanted to listen to. He was a great storyteller. And that uh, you put all of those things together, and you've got Ben Scully. You know, Gary, when when we want to know if a baseball player is good at what he does, we've got statistics that will tell us that, right? And we have a we've never had more statistics mm. than we have in the moment. We almost we almost get statistic yep. to death at this point, but that it doesn't work that way with a broadcaster. What you just alluded to, you know what it takes to be a great broadcaster. Can you explain to those that will never you know understand that? why even among the greats, Vin stood out in his abilities? Well, I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think there was anybody who was a better storyteller as a broadcaster in sports than Vin Scully. I, I don't, in, in, in my time in the business over the years, I don't know of anybody who's better or, or equal to. I think Vinny was the best at that. And in doing baseball, as we all know, you've got a lot of time to tell stories Mm. and Vinny knew how to do that. And he knew how to make it interesting and personal and, and did it in such a loquacious manner that you had to listen. I mean, you just had to listen to what he was saying and you wanted to, you wanted to hear what he had to say. And as the years went by, I mean, the stories weren't just stories that were coming from interviews or people he talked with. They were coming from Vinny's career. He was telling stories about what he did how he was involved with this player or this team or this time period and became a history lesson. I mean, the stories became a history lesson about baseball. Uh, and I think that's what made him so great. It's the storytelling. 
I, I don't think there was anybody better at doing that than Vin was. And, and so brilliantly weaving it within the play-by-play, right? Like never forgetting what his yeah, job was. Yeah. My, my God. I mean, it was it was a tapestry of how he could you know, tell a story and never miss out on anything that was happening within the course of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, that's a real talent. Um, I, I always say to people who are coming into this business, you know, you want – you're always turning to others who've done the games and people say, you know, well, you, you know, you've done pretty well. So what's the secret? Well, well, there isn't one, (laughs) honestly, uh, you've, you've got to be you and you've got to come across to your listeners as being real, Mm. that, that the person they're hearing is really you and that you're sharing you with them in terms of the broadcast. And, and Vin just did that. I mean, when you listened to Vin do a sporting event, you felt like you were sitting in the chair next to him and he was your best friend and he was telling you stories about what had gone on in the game now and then as well as doing the broadcast. And that's an art. Look, there's a science to this. How close do I hold my mouth to the mic and uh, you know, how, how loud do I talk, etc. There's some of that you can get to, but you can't teach the art. The art is the talent that entertainers have, and broadcasters are entertainers. And Vinny was at the top of the pile. He is the great Gary Thorne. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio as we remember Vin Scully. Um, you know, Gary, you, you allude to something. I, I brought up the term that, you know, when I described you, we welcome you into our homes. And, and I think it is unique. I know, for example, so many people think of, of you and hockey and so closely associate you with that sport, but... I don't know that there can be anything like the relationship between baseball broadcaster and fan because of the sheer number of games, because of how how frequent we share that relationship with you. How much of that is part of Vin Scully's story that that he did become part of people's lives? That like that I was we we had Dempsey on earlier and he's like, man, I, I sat there as a kid and I just wanted to hear Vin Scully's voice when I was laying my my head down on a pillow. Um, how much of that is the unique nature of baseball and broadcasting that led to the way that we think about Vin Scully? Oh, I, I, it's an enormous part of it. And, you know, I think some of that has changed um, over time. But Vinny came into the business in Brooklyn with Red Barber, who was the lead broadcaster at the time. And Vinny was, was number two on that team. Uh, and it was at a time where there wasn't any television. And where all the games were on radio mm-hmm. and, and the story about, you know, if you lived in Brooklyn or you could hear Dodger baseball all day and all night walking on the sidewalk because everybody had a radio right. <laughs> and you just could walk along and you'd hear the game as you walked along and heard it off different stoops and porches. Uh, and so those people who, who came into the business at that time, they were Kings. I mean, they were it. They were the connection between the fans and the team. And they were in with the writers that covered the team. That was one thing, but the actual time of the game, the reality of it going on, they were the ones who presented it. And so they became part of your life. Uh, Doris Kearns wrote that great book, wait till next year Mm. and talked a lot about that in that book, about how important it was to hear those voices, to hear Vin. And that's, that's how he came up. So he had a real appreciation for the importance of the connection between the broadcast and the fans, uh, because he grew up at a time where that was, that was the thing in baseball. It was the radio broadcaster 
connecting the team to the fans. And Vinny never forgot that I, 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 and I, I, continued that trend all the way through his career. It was, and it was vital as a part of what made Vince Scully, Vince Scully. I wanted to share this if I could, Gary, because I saw Sam Farmer, the, the football writer for the LA Times, shared a story this morning, uh, and it, it alludes to something you were just talking about. True story, NFL executive Jim Steig got the idea of piping the Super Bowl broadcasts into the stadium restrooms after visiting Chavez Ravine. At first he thought the Dodgers were doing that at their games. Then he realized it was just everyone listening to Vin on transistor radios. Like, I mean, they were at the, every single person brought their radio to the game to be able to listen to Vin call the game, despite the fact that they were at the game. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. It, 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 well, that tells you how much he added to the, to the event. I mean, the fact that people would do that while they're actually sitting there watching it, he added so much more with the stories that he was telling and, and describing the description of the game that was so good that people wanted to have both ends of that. They wanted to be in the seat watching and they wanted to hear it at the same time. I mean, what a great compliment. No, it's, an, it's powerful. Gary, what, what impact? We, you know, I remember in his final year, you did a, a really special interview with him. What impact did, did Vin have on you either personally or just as a standard bearer for what you did uh, during your own career? Well, uh, certainly he set the standard. Uh, if you wanted to take a look at what you were doing and compare it to somebody, uh, Vin was right there. And Bob Murphy, who I worked with with the Mets, who was in that same time frame and who was a real good friend of Vin's. I mean, I, they became standard bearers to me as to how this job should be done. But personally, I mean, I, I tell the story about, and I told it on air with Vin when he was retiring at Dodger Stadium when I went on with him about you know the first year i'm with the new york mets my first year of major league baseball in spring training and at one of the spring training games with the dodgers here comes uh vin scully walking towards me and i'm like holy crap <laughs> it's vin scully and he's walking towards me and he comes up to me holds his hand down and he says hi i'm vin scully he and jack buck both did that i'll never i'll never forget that they never assumed that you knew who they were they would always introduce themselves to you Hi, I'm Vin Scully. Hi, I'm Jack Buck. Wow. There was a humility there that you really appreciated. And, and then he said, look, he said, you know, you're doing the Mets. Welcome to the group. I mean, because they considered the, the people who were in the broadcasting, baseball broadcasting business to be a family. Then he viewed it that way. He said, anything you ever need, anything I can do to help, just let me know. Uh, and, and he meant it. And he did. He took me into the booth one time because I wanted to see how he prepared games and then he had this whole color scheme of highlights that he did uh, both in the press guide and on stories that he wanted to tell so that the one would be, if you did it in red, it was going to be the short version. If you did it in blue, it was going to be the longer version of, of things that he wanted to cover and had that all prepared. And here's how I do it. And here's what I, you know, how I come into the booth. He, he, he went through all of that with me. And I, and I always, if ever I had a question about anything in the business or about the team, you know, I could always go to Vin and, and ask, and, and Vin would always be there to help. So I always, I mean, I really appreciated that. He that's, didn't have to do any of that. That's remarkable. But he did it because he wanted to. That is remarkable, man. That is so cool to hear about. That's someone that we have such reverence yeah. for. Um, Gary, you know, speaking of good guys, if I could, you know, Trey Mancini is moving on from Baltimore. You you know what he meant to this franchise and what he meant to the city, despite the fact that 
and I've alluded to this a couple times this week, never played in an all-star game, never played in a playoff game as a Baltimore Oriole, and yet was very much the face of the franchise. Can can you kind of describe what, what Trey Mancini, what you think he meant to this team, this city, um, as he moves on to Houston in his career? Well, when we talk about setting standards, that's what Trey did for the uh, for the Orioles. He was the standard setter as a really good person. Mm-hmm. That's where it all that's where it all started. He was he's an A one individual. He's a good human being, kind, decent, empathetic, hardworking, caring, uh, and he lived that. And so he became the standard for other players on the team to look to and say, you know, if you want to, if I'm going to measure what I'm doing in terms of being a human being in this game and a good person, Trey's the standard that I've got to try and live up to. And then as the years went along, he became a really good major league baseball player. Yep. And the effort on the field was always there, always, every game, every time. And he cared. He cared about his teammates. He cared about winning. He cared about the fans. He cared about the city. I mean, you're just, you're just talking about a leader. And he wasn't one to vocalize very much. Uh, he was quiet in that sense. But his quietness never, you always knew underneath that was this passion for the game and this passion to play hard and win. And teammates knew it. And he never let that go. He, he never, that never diminished. It was always something that was there. And, and for the Baltimore Orioles, that was, that was the leader of the ball club. And for the city, you know, to have somebody like that affiliated with Baltimore is, is a great honor. And he always took it that way and always tried to contribute to the community. I, I have the highest respect for, for Trey Mancini as, as a ball player and as a person. I, I, those, those sentiments are echoed, and um, there, are, there are a few better. There are a few better than we've ever had. Uh, Gary, what, yep. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask how you're doing, if I didn't ask what, what you're up to. You know, we, everybody was rooting for you. We're, you, know, we, you, know how, <laughs> you know how beloved you are in this city. Like we, 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 we think Kevin's doing a solid. I don't want to make this, this a shot at somebody else, but you know how beloved yeah, you yeah. are in this city. Um, what do we, I'm sure you're reading a lot of books, but what, what else are you doing? How's, how's life for Gary Thorne these days? Life, well, life's very good. I got, uh, I got no complaints. Uh, I do a lot of teaching. Um, uh, I teach at the, uh, journalism school, a Cronkite school at Arizona state university. And I'm putting together a class for a high school in the, in the area where I live. They're putting in a journalism school and I'm going to do a sports journalism class for them. Wow. And I've done a few Mets games uh, along the way, filling in when they have a need, uh, just to keep it going. So it's it's good. I mean, I'm I've been very blessed with the with this career, and I really enjoy the. Uh, I've taught most of the way along, somehow, somewhere, and so I continue to do that. So I got to, I got no complaints. They are very fortunate to have you. I I lived in Tempe for a couple of years. It's it is not a bad place to be. It is yeah. not a terrible <laughs> place to go spend some time. Gary Thorne, exactly. uh, always a pleasure, always an honor. Thank um, you. Wonderful to hear your voice. Thank you for taking the time for us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. Take care. Gary Thorne joining us here on GCR. Some wonderful stories about Vin Scully and I you know, I didn't I didn't know how personal that connection was. The hell with it. We'll, we'll we'll take a break after Mike, and then we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure. It, I'm gonna keep saying it. We'll figure it out. We'll do it live. Figure it out. I didn't know. I didn't know um, how personal that connection was 
with uh, Gary Thorne and Vince Scully. That is powerful to hear about this morning. Um, yeah, I get it. Vince Scully, you know, there, there's not a lot of Baltimore connection. It's not really a Baltimore story, but it's so transcendent within the sports community. He was such a larger-than-life figure that, um, you know, we took the time this morning. We, we talked. I, I don't have much to say about Brett Phillips. You're not going to get me to say much about Brett Phillips. Again, excited about the Orioles winning. Excited about that. Love that. Love everything about it. Love everything about Jorge Mateo. I am so obsessed with Jorge Mateo that I'm going to get a Jorge Mateo poster to put on my wall, and I'm a 38-year-old man. I'm so obsessed with Jorge Mateo. He's such an exciting player. Could watch that dude forever. Forever. If you missed it earlier in the week, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up with um, Tim Kirkchen from ESPN. If if he can't, we'll we'll figure it out. I I'm not gonna be offended if Mike you know doesn't have the time, Griffin. Like we'll 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 be all right. We'll be all right. We'll um we'll figure all that out. We're doing a lot of figuring it out. Figure it out. We're doing a lot of that today. As I was saying, stand the fan. Ross Grimsley caught up with Tim Kirkchen on um on Monday night, and of course Tim, the Hall of Famer. Great conversation. He and Ross very close. He and Stan are close as well. So if you missed that, you want to find it right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. PressBoxOnline.com slash video. YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Those are the ways to find it. And then uh, coming up tonight, Stan and Gary Stein are going to chat with Steve Brunner of Camo Sports. The Maryland Cycling Classic is a month away. And it is a massive event. It is a huge event that is going to impact this state and this region significantly from an economic standpoint. We need to st- it's what I said to you about the Women's Lacrosse World Championships. It's what I say to you about all of these other events. You can be bitter about the World Cup, and I get it. I'm bitter about the World Cup. But we got to embrace the events that are choosing to come here, that are saying yes to Baltimore and to our region. They're ours. They want us. Let's want them. Maryland Cycling Classic is one of those. Steve Brunner will join Stan and Gary Stein tonight at 7 on Facebook Live. All right. We'll describe a break. We'll come back in. We're going to dive back into Would You Rather Wednesday. And I'm thinking Mike Devereaux at some point may or may not join us. You say yes. yes. This week. We'll we'll figure it out. We will fit. I keep saying it. We will figure it out. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Full swing, and so is the summer seasonal menu at Glory Days Grill. Start with the opener, flash fried pork belly with their popular Korean number two sauce, and try their South Carolina barbecue chicken, or back by popular demand, the lobster roll with grilled corn. Also try the irresistible crab and lobster fries, or the very berry salad with chicken. And for dessert, the Cracker Jack Sunday with a waffle, ice cream, and Cracker Jacks. This menu will be going, going gone. Find out more and get your order in at glorydaysgrill.com. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Hey, O's fans, get to Oriole Park early on Friday, August 5th at 7.05 when the first 20,000 fans 15 and over will receive a Cedric Mullins 30-30 Club bobblehead presented by Masson. Celebrate Cedric Mullins' historic 2021 season when he became the first player in Orioles history to join the 30-30 Club with 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases. Tickets start as low as $15. What better way to cheer on the Silver Slugger than at the ballpark that forever changed baseball? Buy tickets at Orioles.com slash tickets. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted, offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Sports betting has come to Maryland, and we're ready to help you win some money. Tune in for Simply the Bets every Tuesday morning at 1140. FanDuel Sportsbook GM Leon Twyman and VEASAN's Aaron Oster join the guys every week to give you all of the info you need and offer you a few winners. And every other Thursday at 1140, tune in for Weekend at Bookies as Andrew Stecka and Alloy Sports Brad Cronthal help make you some money for the weekend. So come win some money with us on Simply the Bets every Tuesday and Weekend at Bookies every other Thursday. Brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Listen at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. Watch at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline. Don't forget that full episodes of the show are available for free on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. But warning, you get what you pay for. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio. All right, back in here on GCR. We're going to try to move Mike Devereaux to another day this week just because he was only going to have a couple minutes for us. And we already... You know what? We we moved him yesterday. It, these things happen. I love Mike Devereaux. He's literally my favorite baseball player as a child. So we will we will we will connect with Mike Devereaux. That is a promise at some point this week. All right. Today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel Maryland, which I keep telling you is the place to be for football season. They're going to have the bet pads. They got the sixty-one self-service kiosk, and they're spreading them out in order to make them more accessible to everyone in the area. Fantasy drafts you can host that first week in a college football, not week zero, week one, is the perfect scenario. Hang out in the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel. Bet on all of those games while you're doing your fantasy draft. I can think of no better way to spend that Saturday of Labor Day weekend than hanging out. Think of those games that weekend. Georgia, Oregon, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Florida, Utah. Some local teams in action, too. Maybe not quite as enticing a matchups, but still. FanDuel Sportsbook, Live Casino and Hotel Maryland. Email events at sportssocialmd.com in order to get your spot. All right, so um, we're going to get to Would You Rather Wednesday. Comments have been coming in this morning, and I I, I don't do a great job of staying up on uh, YouTube comments, and I apologize for that. John and Little Rock, we'll talk about it tomorrow, John. You're right, September is high on the list. September is very high on the list of the best months of the year. I don't remember what my ranking was. I'm going to go back and find it. I remember November was at the top. We'll deal with this tomorrow with Spiro. Spiro will be in studio tomorrow, and this is going to be what we talk about because it's what I want to talk about because I think – that we can have a good debate about this, and I know I'm right. Now, 
Um, that's not my problem. My problem, and I shouldn't, but I'm going to allow for the sake of entertainment, Eric Caps to uh, to get me uh, to get me worked up. I, I should just dismiss him because he is not worthy of it. But you know, I've got a microphone in front of me. I'm supposed to entertain, so I'll I'll do that for a second here. Eric Caps uh, was very mad about what uh, the fact that I don't like what Mike Elias said. This is spoken like someone who either didn't listen to Elias's clear comments or doesn't understand them. He spelled the plan out for you pretty clearly. You sound like a child. Free agency is a thing, too. Are you serious? This is too stupid to listen to. Now, Eric, I don't know what your malfunction is. I don't know what, what's going on with you. Why you would be worked up by me being worked up. Like I, Again, my first suggestion would be like, you know, get a sip of water. You're going to be okay. Life will go on. And in the same way that I don't like what Mike Elias said, I don't actually care, right? Like, I'm not, it's not going to affect my life. I know exactly what Mike Elias said. And in fact, if you want, I'll read the entirety for you, Eric. The entirety. I think we, the 500 record we have, this was, of course, before the last two games in Texas. This was after the Mancini trade, before the first game had been played. They're now two games over 500. I think the 500 record we have the winning last couple of months that we have, the momentum we have, has made this a much more difficult decision and a much more complicated trade deadline than it would have been or that any of the past ones have been. Okay. I agree. But ultimately, I have to tether my decisions to the outlook and the probabilities of this year. Okay. I mean, go on. We have a shot at a wild card right now, but it is not a probability that we're going to win a wild card. What? Now, the rest of it is the stuff that you all, that if you're inclined to support Mike Elias, is the part that I'm largely good with. We have all different ways of looking at that and moves that we make that can strengthen our chances for next season and the season beyond and the one beyond that are something that we have to continue to consider despite the tremendous progress our players have made this year that our coaches have made. Okay. That's ultimately why we did it. We're getting two upside pitching prospects back. I think Seth Johnson, get him healthy. He projects as a mid-rotation starter. He has since the draft. And this was something that you don't get opportunities like this if they're not difficult. Ultimately, we decided to make this trade, but it's certainly a bittersweet moment, and it's very emotional for me personally and all of us saying goodbye to Trey for the next couple of months. But I love the guy. I'm so happy that he's going to a team that's going to treat him well, that's going to be a fun city and ballpark and lineup to play in, and I think it's going to give him a chance to win a World Series, and we'll see where it goes after that. All of that, I understand. And as I've said a million times, the reason why I'm neutral about this is I can justify. It doesn't have to be justified. This is eternally our problem. It goes back to the tell me I'm pretty thing. Where's Carson Weekly to tell everybody they're pretty? Griffin, you're going to have to slide in today. Tell everyone they're pretty. Tell Eric Caps he's very pretty. Eric, I think you should listen to Glenn's advice, get a sip of water, yeah, and then look at yourself in the mirror and remember that you're beautiful, dude. No, just pretty. We're going to go with pretty. Okay. We don't know. We're just going to go. We always like to say, just tell me I'm pretty. You're That's pretty. what this is. Listen, Eric, you're pretty. This right? is the eternal pro- Tell me I'm pretty. We all want to believe that everything is going well. That's the nature of being a fan. Tell me I'm pretty. Tell me my team is better. Tell me this thing is better. Tell me this thing is. Everything has to be a win for me. And the team that I like. Everything that happens. 
anytime someone sneezes, it's got to be a win or a loss. I want it to be a win because it makes me feel prettier. So we do this. We do this thing where we try to say, well, we won. Because the trade deadline was what was going on this week. It was what was receiving all the attention. So we've got to feel like we won. Ravens fans do this all the time, right? When other teams are signing players and getting a free agency, Ravens fans have to fill that void. And so Ravens fans have to be like, well, I would never give that player that amount of money. Ah, it's so much smarter that the Ravens didn't that. Okay, I hear you, but look at your wide receiver core. Everyone does this. This is not unique to baseball. It's not unique to Baltimore. It's not unique to anything. We all want to feel like everything that happens is a win for us. People are talking about the trade deadline. We need to feel like we won the trade deadline. So we need to feel a certain way. We need to feel like these were the right decisions that were made. Were they? No one knows. No one. No one knows if the right decisions were made. But we want to feel pretty. We want to feel like we put our best, like we're Julia Roberts in that scene in Pretty Woman where we walk out and, oh my God, everybody's like, this this is the same whore that walked in here the other day? This gorgeous woman? That's the way we want to feel. We want to feel pretty. We want to feel like we won. We have no idea if we won or not. There is nothing to be celebrated about this week. It's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know if the Orioles made good decisions. I don't know if these things will ultimately change in any meaningful way the impact of them winning a World Series at some point. It's very hard to win a World Series. So if I had to bet, the answer is no. It's just that difficult to win a World Series. Especially when there are other teams that will solve all of their problems by throwing more money at them. Very hard to go up against that. But we want to feel pretty. So we justify these things. We say, hey, this was, Mike Elias did what was necessary. No, but that doesn't make it wrong either. I don't know if Mike Elias made good moves or not this week. No one does. Mike Elias doesn't. He has his own scouting and his own system that, you know, mathematically can make him feel more justified in doing what he did, but... He doesn't know that either. A lot of the points that he made here are, are well taken. And again, goes back to why I can justify it. But you can't justify that sentence by trying to say, hey, focus more on the rest of what was said. And the people that were debating this with me yesterday, and apparently Eric Capps today, are the people that are doing that. You're trying to decide what he essentially was trying to say. I'm telling you the problem is with what he said. Because I agree with you that the general point of what he was trying to pass along can be justified. It's very hard to win a World Series. It's impossible to do it this year. I've talked about the mathematics of this a million times. If there is a 0.6% chance that Trey Mancini was going to win a World Series as an Oriole this year, and a 1.1% chance that Seth Johnson will ever win a World Series as an Oriole, then the Orioles came out on top mathematically. And you can justify that. You can say, mathematically, 
the player they got is more likely to be a World Series winner in Baltimore than the player they gave up. You can do that. And you can feel, again, not like it was overwhelming, not like it was a win, not like it's some par- something we should throw a parade for, but you can feel justified in that way. Your debate is with your mother because you're not debating the merit of the actual thing that was said, which is unjustifiable. And again, I am willing to... I like Mike Elias. I don't know if Mike Elias can build a champion in Baltimore. None of us can do. There's nothing... How could we? But I like Mike Elias. And I think for the most part, given what he walked into, he's done a fairly good job. But you cannot walk in and say to a fan base, to a group of people that are loving what's going on, yeah, but the probability is this isn't going to work out. You can't do that. Should he be fired? No. Should he be suspended? No. Should maybe in another interview this week he said, you know what, I, I really poorly worded that. I, I shouldn't have said that. I think we have a great chance of doing something. I believe in the players that we're putting on the field every day. It's going to be tough. But I think we can do it. There will be a far better way of saying this than what he said. And the message will be far better to this fan base, this community, of why you should get out, support this team, come to games, because there's something special happening here conflating it and saying well if you don't just agree with everything Michael Elias says then you just hate the process and you're an idiot and you don't know how baseball works I don't know who you think you're arguing with and I've heard from plenty of you that are bothered by the fact that I don't like what Michael Elias said and I don't and I'm not going to change that I don't like what Michael Elias said Michael Elias probably doesn't like a lot of things that I say that's okay we're allowed to disagree But what I'm saying isn't what you're debating with. This is what we do. We just assume that there's no ability for nuance or context. If you don't, I talk about it all the time. It's like my, my friend Chad Duke says, everything is the goat or trash. And if you don't say Mike Elias is the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of baseball and can never do anything wrong and you, you bow down on his feet, then you're saying he sucks. And that's not the case. I think Mike Elias has done a good job. I... I I've always been on board with the direction for this franchise. But you need to start showing signs of when the window is. There is somewhere where the baseball, where the robotics of thinking about baseball has to meet with the emotions of a fan base. That's how this thing works. That's how communities fall in love. Those things have to mesh at some point. At some point, the the decisions that you're making analytical decisions but you believe are justifiable baseball decisions have to be met with okay now what are we doing to show the fan base and when I talk about next year teams don't go from bad to World Series champion there are steps along the way you get into the playoffs you compete you win a series 
You get a taste of that experience, and you fortify. Next year should be a step in that. Pro- It'd be great if this year was a step, and I think it could be. As I keep saying over and over again, I get it. Again, I don't think he's lying. I think he's right. I think the probability does say that the Orioles won't get in because on paper they're not as good as some of these other teams. But they haven't been that good since May, and yet they've had the third best record in the American League. Since May 1st, before Adley Rutschman was here, they've had the third best record in the American League. I absolutely think they could get in this year. And I don't even know that I, I'm comfortable using the word probability because it projects as if I know something. I, I get it. If, like, if you force me to put a... You, you got to bet right now your house on whether or not the Orioles get into the playoffs, I'd probably bet no. But... I wouldn't feel good about that. We, next year, should be the year not to win a World Series. Next year should be the year where steps are taken. And Eric, as I mentioned, but you just didn't listen to, not making these decisions now does not prevent them from spending that money in the offseason. But the concept is it should be a combination of all of these things. And until it happens, until we see those signs, there will always be a percentage of this fan base that is still bothered by watching this team piss away a generational talent. And that's not Mike Elias' fault. And it might not even be John Angelos' fault. But it happened, and it wasn't that long ago. And those scars exist. And they don't even touch on the scars of the years of misery for baseball fans in this community. Those are fresh scars. And until that commitment is seen, there will always be a percentage of baseball fans in this town that are impacted by them, that are dealing with them. that say, I can't trust this team until I see the commitment. I'm not telling you they won't. I'm telling you they haven't yet, and so people still want to see it. It's nuance. It's, it's not go to trash. It's a nuanced take. I'm on board with what the Orioles have done, but there needs to be a next phase. You don't go from not intending to compete to accidentally winning a World Series. That does not happen. There is middle ground. And I want to see them move into that middle ground. And I know a lot of people that do. Some people who are vitriolic about it. There are people that, I'm telling you, I post something positive about the Orioles, and I hear back regularly from people, have you heard anybody in this organization even say they want to win a World Series? I mean, they're real. I'm not saying that we have to kowtow to them and reassure them, hold their hand. We want to win a World Series every day. I'm not saying that. But you do need to show that. You do need to make a commitment to moving into phase two. Somewhere along the line. And to your point, maybe it's this offseason. 
Maybe this offseason is when they start making that commitment. It might be. It might be that this offseason they're ready to spend real money on a free agent pitcher, that they're ready to buy out arbitration years, that for whatever reason they, they just decided they couldn't do it before this offseason. Perhaps maybe they even tried at deadline. Maybe they tried to go out and get a, a Jose Arquiti. Maybe in these conversations they were having the Astros, they were like, hey, what do you think? Who was the pitcher that actually got dealt? Uh, was, was it Odorizzi? Oh, yeah, Odorizzi. I don't think that would have been... I mean, I... I'm not saying I wouldn't have. I don't. I don't know what odor is these contract situations. Yeah, he was, was like 25 million over like two or three years, I think. So it was kind of. I, I don't think that I would have done that, but you know, maybe. And maybe the Astros just said, "Look, we're not we're not interested in trading Urquidy. Odor is the one we want to trade." You know, a lot of people talked about their them have. It's a good problem to have having too many starting pitchers. That that might have been that they they said, "Don't don't call us about Urquidy. Odor is the one," and the Orioles said, "Well, that's not the fit for us. That's not what we were looking for." Maybe they tried. Maybe they did. Call. They called the Marlins. They said, hey, what would the cost be for Pablo Lopez? And the Marlins said, well, you can give up uh, Henderson, Rodriguez, Hall, and um, and Mayo, and we'll talk about it. And the Orioles were like, no. I don't know. They might have done that. But until we see it, there will be skeptics. And you, Eric, can be as mad about that as you want. And I'm not even telling you I'm the skeptic. I'm merely referencing the fact that it's understandable why they exist. You can be mad about that, and you can think that that makes me an idiot. I have been called far worse things by far more important people. But they exist, and I get it. I understand why they exist. Thank you for allowing me that time. I don't know what just happened there. Let's finish up Would You Rather Wednesday. Would You Rather Wednesday is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. I posted a picture this morning. Uh, my recent uh, jaunt to Glory Days Grill, where I uh, decided to go ahead and pick up the opener. Did we have a YouTube problem? Yeah, I'm checking it out right now. I, it looks like we did go down and put in a Sprite pack. I apologize wholeheartedly for whatever happened with YouTube today. We will uh, attempt to get that fixed. I feel like that's happened before, and I don't care for it. Don't care for it. Um... By the way, whenever we go down, if we're down on YouTube, hop over to Facebook. Just a reminder to everybody, the show never, the show's never totally gone. Unless we tell you it's totally gone. And one of these days it might be. Um, but if for whatever reason we go down on YouTube, hop over to Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If we go down over there, hop over to YouTube. Or you can always listen traditionally the way that people did once upon a time back in the day. Uh, actually, it's not really traditional because it's not on radio, but um, uh, pressboxonline.com slash radio. There's always another way to go about finding the show, and of course, we will get all of it up uh, when we post the uh, the podcast later, wherever it is that you get your podcasts, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all of those places, Grinder, I think, uh, Plenty of Fish, the whole, the whole deal. We got them all uh, available for you. Now, would you rather Wednesday? Glory Days Girl. I was there. I got the uh, the opener, the flash fried pork belly with the Korean number two sauce. It was so good. I was there with my buddy Rich, and I kept waiting for Rich to look away. Like I was hoping he was going to look at his phone because I was prepared to run my fingers alongside the inside of the bowl and then lick my fingers. That's how good it is. I would encourage you, when I posted... Um, about Would You Rather Wednesday today, I uh, posted a picture of my flash fried pork belly opener at Glory Days Grill. Just look at that thing. Just look at it. 
tell me you don't want that. Giving away a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill today. The opener is available. They got all sorts of other things on their summer seasonal menu that are still available through the end of the month. GloryDaysGrill.com is the website. Get your order in. Come over and hang with us because we are right down the street from our neighborhood at Glory Days Grill. All right, we okay? You should Everything be okay. All right? yes, yes. Hopefully we're back up on YouTube. Now, would you rather, number one, would you rather the Orioles do indeed re-sign Trey Mancini? Something reasonable at the end of the year, four years, 50, something like that. Something that would be fair market value everybody would be happy about. Or pains me that he's gone, but the reality is at this point, just makes more sense to go ahead and move on and give those at bats to somebody else. Griffin, I'll let you start. Um, I mean, it, my my instinct is to say I I want to re-sign him. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is going to depend on ha- what happens over the next two months for the Orioles, like who they call up, how they play, what like what like if Gunner gets called up, how much we play. I mean, obviously Gunner and Westbrook should be like they sound like they should be everything that they that 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 the Orioles need. So. It's man, it is tough. I, I think if if if, I mean if he somehow the I think everyone's thought is that he's going to minute made. Trey's Trey's going to minute made. He should hopefully inflate his numbers a little bit, and that would probably you know increase the price tag. Um, so if that is the case, I'm leaning towards no. Okay. Um, I, I, but I told you what the number was. The price tag's not changing. Uh, the price that the, I said uh, it's okay. a very reasonable price. Four years, fifty million dollars. Yeah. Why not? You're saying yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, this one's been split like I expected it to be, frankly. I um, I kind of thought the answers would be a bit all over the place. Uh, John in Little Rock says, no, it's time to move on. From uh, Ken Zalis, I want Trey back. He's a glue guy. Imagine the two locker room. Imagine the locker room, I think is what you meant, Ken. When he walks back in, he's worth 10 wins next year, in my opinion. Sports is still an emotional event. Um, Paul in Ovilando, I hate to say it because a young team will need a veteran presence like him, but for the positions Trey plays to include DH, I think going forward it's best to not re-sign him. From, uh, I don't know who Bird for Life is. Bird for Life, tell me who you are. It's a good story, good player, and good guy, but no, people can be so soft. It's not a good fit unless you get rid of Mountcastle. From, oops, sorry, hang on a second. I got I, I, I got answers all over the place. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, the whole thing. From, ba, 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 ba. from Bill, no trade. That's a very, it's a very short. Some people give these very short answers. There's no thoughts whatsoever. Um, Dwight, thanks for the memories, Trey, but no return. From uh, Doug, I'll take Mancini. Again, that's a very. Go with these very short. What is it with these very short answers? There's no. I just ask for any thought whatsoever. From uh, Chris. Chris says, Glenn, I'd like to know more about the makeup of the team at that point. I still think there's the possibility of trying to trade Santander high in the offseason. If that were the case, then maybe I'd be more open to a Trey Mancini return if you have a corner outfield spot that's open. I know that there are outfielders on the way, but I still like feel like that's a problem that can be dealt with down the road, as you said a couple of times. I think I'd rather have Trey here and continue to have someone for this organization to look to. And from Joe... Joe says, Glenn, count me among those that were not all that heartbroken about Trey being traded away. I love him. I think he's great, but I just don't think he is what this team needs moving forward. I think they need a bigger bat in the middle of their lineup. If they're going to spend money, they should be looking for someone who is a more consistent 30 to 35 home run guy. Okay? All these things are fair. All these things are fair. Nobody. I, by the way, the be- best argument I make is that's money you should be spending on pitching. 
right? Like, I think that's the best argument you can make if you're in the no-tray camp is if you're spending money at all, spend it on a pitcher. Like, go out and get one more pitcher because you still don't really have enough, certainly not enough without question marks within your system. Number two, would you rather? You just want a billion dollars. It's yours. I mean, there's taxes and it's a whole thing. But you won the billion-dollar lottery. This came from a conversation I had with you. And by the way, I have a plan. You will never know if I win the lottery. It will never happen. So you'll know my answer. Would you rather, all the money's yours, but you got to go publicly accept it, and now everyone in your orbit and everyone in the world now knows that you have won a billion dollars. You now have an extreme amount of wealth. Or a trusted friend, someone that you know will not let you down, will not turn on you anything, cuts you a deal, says, I'll go take the bullet. I'll say that I'm the winner. You give me 30% of what you want. No one will ever know. I will protect this to the grave. But you got to give me 30%. Whatever that is. Again, I, I saw some numbers being thrown around yesterday that like after taxes it's like a little bit less than five hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um still a lot. And I and I, I think that's if you take it as a lump sum versus taking the, the payments that you can get instead right. over and the years. So I think it might be a little bit more than that if you take the payments, but then And I think I saw something else, not like recently, but I know like I think the payments thing is like because everything should get adjusted for inflation, but the payments right. don't. No, so like well, the payments, over the course right, of correct. Well, I mean, if it's a billion dollars and they say like, we're going to give you, you know, fifty million dollars a year for twenty years, I think it's I think it's longer than that. It's more like right. What whatever that number would be, but divided by forty, something like that. Yeah, it, you're not you're not getting <laughs> the payments are the same no yeah. matter what in, mm-hmm. happens to inflation. You're getting the same payment, but. Those payments still are still like twenty million dollars, you know, whatever it is over forty years. Like that's still a lot of money every time. Even inflation can do whatever it wants to do. Inflation can't make twenty million dollars. Not uh, I. I understand that somebody would say, "Well, you'd be imagine going back forty years, you'd be having this conversation about a million dollars." I think this Stop. is what I learned in my finance class last last that I took last year. So that was one thing I, I took I, away from it. I, I've <laughs> I've lived nearly 40, mil- 40 years. I assure you. That as much as money has changed, and the way that we maybe have our opinion about a million dollars has changed, twenty million dollars we have not changed an opinion about that. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Um, yeah, I have doing? my answer. Uh, I will. Uh, I'll publicly accept it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'll take it, and uh, I I think of myself as a generous person, and I think I'd uh, be uh, you know I, I think I just become Tony Stark, and um, mm, that's what you become. Yes. you become. Tony I mean, everyone Stark. knows Tony knows Tony Stark right. is, is rich, and so I just right. become a big philanthropist, and uh, and. Uh, Right, and you change the world hopefully for the better, and right. uh, d- and you know don't worry, you don't. I, I, I'm not going to give you thirty percent. You understand, but, but like but, whenever, next but, time we go to glory days, it, it can be on. And me, that's so. thoughtful, but you understand that like you're announcing now that like the, the people know who you are now. You're Griffin from yeah. from Glenn Clark Radio. Yeah. And the moment you you go accept that check, someone knows who you are, and they're going to find out where you live, and you're going to have a problem. This is the easiest answer of all time. I can't believe that you will never know. If I win the lottery, I will come in and do this show tomorrow. I will not change anything. There might be subtle changes that come. Like, there might be little things that you see, like, wow, how's, how's Glenn affording that? Like, there might be, you might have some questions, like when I install uh, a pool and a hot tub at my house, right? But I ain't moving. I ain't, I ain't bringing any attention to myself whatsoever. Not even a little bit. I'll be able to take care of my kids' college. I'll be able to do certain things. And... I, 
I am not, I do not have the infrastructure in my life to be able to handle that amount of wealth and people knowing that I have that amount of wealth and having to figure out who am I giving money to, like who who am I going to feel bad about if I don't take care of them? How do I get enough security for my my livelihood? Like, do I have to hire? Do I have to have a, a staff of ten people, something like that? Like, I might I might start buying nicer food. You know what I mean? Like, I might get the the wagyu at the grocery store. There might be little things that change, but I don't want anyone anyone. I'm gonna keep living as broke as I've been living to this point. That's the way it's gonna be. And I'm by the way, it's also I'm used to that. I would be extraordinary. Imagine, imagine how uncomfortable I would be. Like trying to live. I get uncomfortable just because I live in a part of the county where other people have money. I don't even have any money. But I live in a part of the county where there are people near me that have money, and that makes me uncomfortable. I am there's a there's a house that I swear to God is not far away from our house. And if you saw that, you'd be like, that person's gotta be worth a billion dollars. And I live right by AJ Burnett when he was making all that money from the Yankees lived right down the street from my house. Really? And it, oh yeah, because it's in this it's in this nice part of the county where it's yeah. more separated. But we have this little podunk farmhouse. That's what we got. It's everything. Our our water tank blew up. I mean, we got nothing. We like it's fine. It's lovely. Don't, I want to make that very clear. We, it's lovely. I'm I'm very happy to live where I live, and um, I'm 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 grateful for it. But we ain't got a penny. Like, we got nothing. We just happen to live in an area where other people do have money, and it's very awkward. <laughs> and by the way, whenever we meet any of them, you can tell immediately they smell us. We, we were invited over. <laughs> there, is a, there are people that I swear to God, it's an estate, and it is the, close enough that we could call them neighbors. They're not actually neighbors, but close enough that if we labeled them as neighbors, we were invited over. They have an estate, an effing estate. They have a staff that works there. It's not a lot. It's maybe like three people. They have a staff, and I swear to God, the first question is, so how'd you end up out here? And I knew. I knew. They could smell me. <laughs> they could smell me. It's like, yep, I am not one of you. I do not belong here. We just have a little podunk farmhouse. That's it. Got lucky. The, the, the former owner of the place was dying and just wanted to get rid of it, and that's the way it works. Like, luckiest thing that could have ever happened. We don't, we know, we know we don't belong, and we are so sorry for infiltrating your estate. We'll be leaving now. That's the way it'll go. Um, so your answer is? No, no. I will, if I got a friend, and again, I'm okay. saying it's a trusted friend. I'm saying that I have to believe that this person will never, ever let... Because I don't need, I don't want one person to know. Because I don't want to have to go like build fences, and I don't want to have to go get security and and all those things. I just want to be you able a to, billion dollars. I don't care. <laughs> I want to be able to live my life. That's I don't want to. I just want to be able to keep doing things normally. So if that's the case, that is easy, easy answer for me. I can't believe how difficult. Um, that being said, not all of you agree. John and Little Rock never give someone thirty percent of your wealth for a fool's move. There is uh there is okay hiding that you want what? There is no hiding that you want. It's not happening. It always gets out. You don't know my friends. You don't know the things that we've hidden before. You don't know about the guy that's buried in that wait, what? Huh? Did I what I careful, careful. What did I just say? Any hoodle. Um Paul and Ovi Lando, give up thirty percent. Still enough winnings to set my family up nicely for a few generations and keep from scammers and vultures constantly being around. Thank you. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have all of you pitch me your ideas. Ah, I've got a great idea for starting a company. No, you don't. I don't have to tell you that. Don't want to do it. 
Ivan, I'd rather everyone know who I am. Plenty of people are wealthy and people know who they are. You just need to learn how to say no to people who ask for things. Okay, you're going to lose friends. And you might be all right with that. It might You might be totally fine with losing your friends and having new rich ones. I recommend the, the people with the estate down the street from me. I re- recommend them. They might be willing to be your friends. You you might you might feel that way. And if you do, God bless you. I want a smoothie. John Colson asked me if I wanted a smoothie. I do. <laughs> it's so funny you ask. Yes. Whatever the beat one is. What is I don't remember what it's called. I love uh, it. Shoot. Yeah, I forget. You go there more Actually, often. Actually, I'm going to go with the almond butter cup today. Wow. I do like that one. I like that green one. I do like the green <laughs> one, too. I do like the green one, indeed. Um... So anyway, the moral of this, I don't know what, it, what was happening here. Uh, you're going to lose friends, inevitably, because they're going to expect something from you. And no matter what you do, it's not going to be enough, because you're a billionaire. So if you say, well, I'm just going to cut everyone I know a $50,000 check. Say, here's what you're getting from me. Well, $50,000 ain't going to last them forever. And when it doesn't, they're going to be mad at you that you didn't give them more. I'd rather just not know. I, I can, I'm happy to take care. And inevitably, those will be the types of things that happen. Inevitably, you'll know I won the lottery because I'll be more inclined to pay for everybody's drinks if we go out. I'll be more inclined to say, I'm going to pick up these things. I'm going to try to do good things for my friends, but I'm going to lose friends the other way. Uh, from KZ, you can know who I am. You'll never find me, LOL. Oh, bet me. Bet me that that's the case, KZ. I know where you like to hide. I'll find you. Uh, uh, my buddy Bill Bolander, I'll take all the money. Doug, I'll take the money and then use it to find a way to hide from everybody I don't want to talk to. I, you are so confident about that. You are so confident about that. I mean, you were confident about it too. So What? You, like you were just as confident about being able to I'm Because I'm creating the scenario. Oh, you're creating okay. I'm I th- the I one, thought you were saying. I'm the one establishing the, the Would You Rather Wednesday scenario. I'm saying no one will ever know. In scenario okay, two, this is no scenario one will ever making. know. I've okay. made that scenario. I thought scenario. you were saying, like, uh, no one's going to know where. It's on the table. No one's going to know that you won if you give that 30% to your friend. Okay. okay It'll okay. be between the two of you. That you, you that it'll never happen. From Dwight. Uh, take the money, no cuts. From Dave. Dave says, I know it sounds insane, but I think I would rather give up the 30%. I would rather, to li- rather live anonymously for the rest of my life. I don't know that I want to be anonymous. Like, I don't know if it's that far. I just don't want people to know that I'm that wealthy. All right, and number three, Vince Scully or Tom Brady? Um, I'm going Vince Scully. Why? Because, I mean, he, well, he's... So I, I also executed all of his uh, his uh, broadcasts, all his you, calls you lived perfectly. his life. Okay. You were Vince Scully. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a... I'm, I'm a big baseball fan. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, I mean, it is tough. Tom Brady. I, I don't know Tom if you're... Brady. It's Tom Brady. Yeah. Tom, Bra- Tom yeah. Brady. Um, But... I'll, Giselle Bunchen. Have I'll you heard of Vince her? You're yeah, familiar yeah, yeah. with her work? Yeah, yeah. I'll stick with Vince Gawley being. A, I'm know, guessing it's not the only being one. Being a perfect, as far as we know, pretty much a perfect person. He witnessed so many great baseball. Tom Brady's got seven Super Bowls or six, whatever it is. I don't remember the number of Super Bowls now. It's six saw Jackie saw Jackie Robinson make his debut that's, and that's, lived that's lived out through his career. Hank Aaron, just everything. The the '88 Dodgers. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't think. Uh, Seven. He, he, he lived a pretty much perfect. About that. <laughs> seven Super Bowls. Seven <laughs> Super Bowls. Seven. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. You familiar maybe with the Super Bowl? When when Tom Brady's ninety four, then ask me. Maybe maybe it'll be God. different. <laughs> and Tom Brady still looks like looks the way he does today. <laughs> he might look this way when he's ninety four. Jeez. Um. All right. Uh. From KZ. Good one. I assume you'll get a bunch of Vin. Uh. But so I'll say Brady. The dude is hated for sure, but respected. Ivan, Vin Scully, to be loved by everyone is a category very few have achieved. We've lost two in the past year with Betty White and Vin Scully passing away. Paul Novilando, Vin Scully. I saw it all and commented on it, but Brady has lived it on the field. I'll take his life and experiencing the moments of accomplishing the ultimate in his profession and as a team multiple times. Sam Joku, uh, tough one, but I'm going Brady for sure. John from Little Rock, Vin by a billion. It's amazing how despair, like, like it's an obvious answer one way or the other. Oh, it's obviously Brady. It's obviously Vin Scully. Uh, John from Little Rock. Vin by a billion. What a life. Um, uh, Keith. Vin by all of the miles. He never once cheated and seems to have had an amazing, genuine, honest life. Uh, Birds of Baltimore. Who is Birds of Baltimore? I don't know who that is. Uh, Vin Scully. There was an elegance about the way he called a game. People who knew him indicated a similar elegance about how he lived. He was the best there ever was and yet remained humble. Vin Scully was a role model and human being that was uh, universally respected. From uh, Dwight, uh, Vin Scully has seen so many great games. Hard to pass on Vin. From Doug, uh, Vin Scully is a broadcasting god. But it's hard to turn down the opportunity to be the greatest football player of all time. Wealthy beyond all reason. Healthy with a healthy family, as far as I know, and married to a supermodel. It seems pretty great to me. Seems okay. Uh, From Bill, Tom Brady. From Dan. uh, As much as I hate Tom Brady, I don't understand how the answer couldn't be Tom Brady. While Vin Scully did get to take in the greatest moments of all time, Tom Brady was able to live them. Yeah, I mean, I, th- th- that's a very fair answer. Continue to give me your responses throughout the day at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Glenn Clark Radio. Griffin will now be in charge so that I don't screw it up. Griffin will pick a winner tomorrow. Yeah. Somebody's going to get a $25 gift card to Glory Days Grill. When we come back in, we'll get a tidbit. We'll get tubular wind down for a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn, Glenn Clark Radio. Sports fans, the wait is over. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is now open at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit MDGambling help.org the biggest pro wrestling stars today and all time all have one thing in common you've heard them on jobbing out matt and nick jackson the young bucks thanks for having us man appreciate it the great kurt angle thanks for having me on the show i appreciate it matt riddle yeah man thanks the champ drew mcintyre thank you for having me the great ron simmons Keith Lee. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Bill Goldberg. My pleasure. Charlotte. Thank you so much for having me. Mick Foley is with us. This is the greatest name for a wrestling show I've ever heard. MJF. I'm glad you're happy I'm on this show because I'm freaking miserable. Let's have your 
Chris Jericho, Le Champion, AJ, Aaron, Brandon, and Glenn are talking pro wrestling every week on Jobbing Out. Find it at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim lines. You can choose the perfect Toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out BuyAToyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our very first Salute to Coaches issue. On the cover, we recognize Ravens coach John Harbaugh ahead of his 15th season. Also inside, find tributes to Navy football coach Ken Niamatololo, UMBC soccer coach Pete Karinji, Maryland soccer coach Sasho Sarovsky, and field hockey coach Missy Maharg, Mount St. Joe basketball coach Pat Clatchy, and poly basketball coach Kendall Peace. We also honor recently retired Johns Hopkins lacrosse coach Janine Tucker and Calvert Hall baseball coach Lou Eckerl, the athletes whose lives these coaches have impacted, offering insights on what makes them special and why they've stood the test of time. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. To follow the show on Instagram, it's just Glenn Clark Radio. And to follow the show on OnlyFans, wait, I don't think you're supposed to know about that one. Any hoodle. Take it away, boys. All right, winding down for a Would You Rather Wednesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Brought to you by our friends at Glory Days Grill. Again, continue to get me your responses, and uh, we will share out more of your responses throughout the day at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Simply the Bets. If you missed it yesterday, Simply the Bets is available right now at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports by clicking on the Videos tab or youtube.com slash pressboxonline do it every tuesday morning at 11 40 a.m as we try to get you ready for the week in betting simply the bets and uh we will have weekend at bookies for you tomorrow morning at 11 40 as well it's all brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland. What you got? All right, so I'm going to have a couple short ones, then I'll get into like my actual question. Uh, but uh, Brett Phillips was officially uh, activated by the Orioles. and they, they Awesome! They optioned uh, so, Yasniel Diaz. Uh, he got to make his debut. He's, yeah. Whatever happens, he will forever be able to say he was uh, a Major he, League Baseball player. His locker is in the clubhouse. Do you know whose locker he took? Trey's? No, he took Jorge Lopez's. Oh, okay. So... I mean, like, okay. Just just news. All right. Uh, and he's wearing number 66. Okay. Who uh, do, do you know? Uh, so uh, so I want, I'm w- we're waiting uh, for Buck y- Yasiel Puig. <laughs> legendary Oriole Yasiel Puig yeah. wore number 66. Yes, yeah, so we're waiting for Olney's tweet. Uh, but uh, there are two Orioles, only two, Oriole, two Orioles have ever worn 66. And it's both have been in the past 10 years. One of them, I think his first year was 2012-ish. Left-handed, two left-handed reliever. They're both left-handed reliever. Left-handed, left-handed reliever that wore number sixty-six. Evan Meek. No. Um. Left-handed reliever. McFarland. McFarland yes. definitely yep. wore yep. sixty-six. T.J. McFarland. He wore number sixty-six, and then uh, another guy who the Orioles traded earlier this year, down to Miami. Tanner Scott. I don't know why did I not remember Tanner Scott Tanner wearing Scott number sixty-six? I don't remember that at all. Got this from uh, Joe Trezza did an article on the best Oriole in 
by each number. It's pretty pretty fun one. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> just for the fun of it, who does he have? How many? Uh, he did every single number, or at least every I can't, number I can't, that's been worn. I, I don't know that I could. There's, 58. Guess who 58 was? I, I no chance. Alfredo Simon. Ah, well, he was famous because he shot a guy. <laughs> right. And then he was an all-star for the rest. That's true. That is true. Alfredo uh, Simon. Um, I, I thought it was Simone, and then they started calling him Simon. Oh, that's right. That so. is true. Uh, were there any? Were there any in the nineties? Um, no, I do not. Nope. Eighty nine okay. through one hundred unworn. Eighty nine through one hundred. Eighty seven. Eighty seven. I don't know. Uh, Ramon Rios wore it last year. Really? <laughs> at least for at least for a couple, for a little I bit. Don't remember that at all. <laughs> and I wasn't really paying it. I gotta be honest. I was not paying much yeah. attention last year. Um, um, okay, so that was the that was the number little number tidbit, and then we also have a new. Uh, <laughs> it's basically just a new new Adley uh, stat dropped. Ah. Um. From Birdland Insider, per Elias, Adley is the only rookie catcher since since 1900 to record 20 plus doubles in his first 57 games. Man, and then he's also the third rookie catcher to record 28 plus extra base hits in uh, in that span in fi- of 57 games. Joining rookie catchers, Mike Piazza. No, let me just give it to you. Sure, Carlton Fisk. Okay, and Giovanni Soto. Well, yeah. two Hall of Famers. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, Giovanni Soto was a nice player. Yes. I don't remember him having that explosive of a start, but, you know, good yeah. for him. All right, so with trade deadline uh, yesterday, it was very exciting. We saw the Juan Soto trade. Probably Everyone's saying it's probably the biggest trade ever in MLB history, so we'll see uh, if the Nats ended up getting a good enough return. Um, and so uh, we uh, we all have our thoughts about the Orioles, um, but I want to talk about the individuals, the players that were traded. And my tidbit question is, do you know what player has been traded the most in Major League Baseball history? He was traded yesterday, adding to his uh, adding to his lead. Was he was say, traded nine times, was now ten. Say Edwin Jackson. He is up there. Of, um, I'll, I'll give you. I mean, two two of the guys you're not going to get. I'll I can, I'll give you the story okay. on them. Uh, but the number one guy was traded yesterday. I'm trying to um, think of everybody who was. I was trying to think of everyone. You're, you're, I don't think you're going to get it. Oh, he okay. um he was traded for Raziel Iglesias. The the brave. He was with the Braves and they sent him to Los Angeles. I don't know. Tucker Davidson and Jesse Chavez was traded from the Atlanta Braves. To I don't Angels. know that I know who Jesse Chavez he's is. He's been around for a while. It's <laughs> so funny. He's 38 years old. He's been traded 10 times okay, in his career. Him. Good for him. Yep. And then number two on the list, uh, it, two guys tied have been traded eight times. Dick Littlefield. Ah, old Dickie. He only had a nine-year major league career, but he managed. He made the most of it. Yeah. yeah. But he, managed he, saw, he saw a lot. Eight times. Yeah. Uh, and his most famous trade was one that didn't even count because in 1956 the Giants traded him to the Dodgers for Jackie Robinson, but then Jackie Robinson retired. So trade I, trade was how about that. Yeah, how about that? And then Willie Montanas, Montanas. Sure, both oh. of them traded eight times, oh, and then yeah. Edwin Jackson was traded seven times. So he, he is was, third. He was the subject of uh, Scarface, I think. Uh, Willie Montanas. All right, never mind. Never mind. Uh, is that it? Uh, and then do you want to guess? The Jesus, guys? how much? Three this guys. The... Three guys have been traded five times. Uh, one guy's been traded. Also, so another guy's been traded seven times. He's tied with Edwin Jackson, and another guy traded six times. So I have five names here that you sh- that you could. That I think you can get. They're all like they've they've played uh, over the last decade. All played in the last decade. Yeah. Well, one guy he two uh, thousands early two thousands guy, uh, or mid mid late two thousands guy. I don't. I don't. You have to give me something. Traded seven times. Okay, so this guy retired in January. Uh, I think most recently he was in a Yankees uniform, outfielder, speedy outfielder. Speedy outfielder. For the Yankees, and he just retired. Curtis Granderson? No. Just retired. Just announced his retirement in January. I don't know when. (laughs) So as he was playing recently. He he played nine games for the Mets in 2021. 
I don't think that's going to help you. <laughs> uh, Curtis Granderson. No, he's, <laughs> I, he started with the Padres, I believe. Started with the Padres. Yeah. Um, Played nine games for the Mets last year. Yeah. And was then an he was out, an outfielder, a speedy for, the Yan- outfielder. for the Yankees. Uh, didn't, had a couple hits like that were that were somewhat relevant over, like, I don't know, the Cameron Mabin. There you go. Cameron Mabin has been traded seven times. Okay, I actually believe that because yeah. he was in Florida for a little. You know what? I, that actually checks out. Yep. God, but I needed like eight hints <laughs> in order to have any shot at it. That was good. That was good. Uh, number. I don't think. I, I. I don't think you'll get him. Shortstop. Um, I think he was with the Nationals for a little bit. Uh, Steve Lombardozzi. No, <laughs> he was with the Orioles for a minute. Um, a shortstop who was with the Nationals for a minute. Shortstop who was with the Nationals was for traded a six minute. times. Only traded player to be traded six, six times. times. Traded six times. Oh, let me think of another shortstop. Hit. I don't think you're gonna get him. Oh, good. This <laughs> is going well. Why was this the trivia? Because uh, because it's fun. Well, maybe just tell me these and then come up with one that's it's easy. Oh, he was with the Angels for a little bit. The Angels for a bit. Shortstop. Eckstein. No. Uh, I'll just give it to you. It's Unel Escobar. Unel Escobar. Okay. Unel Escobar. Right. Yep. And then three guys have tied for being traded five times each. One of them is still active. He's a current reliever for a National League West team. Having a very very down year. <laughs> was once a was once a big time closer. Once a big time closer. Yeah. Now he's having a down year for an NL West team. He's three and ten. He's blown a lot of Jesus saves this year. He's, he's blown a lot of saves this year. Uh, three and, it, is he prominently known for being a part of an NL West team? Or no 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 just just this season. Let's see. He was prominently known for let's see the Pirates, the okay. Braves, the Pirates, the Braves. Pirates, the Braves. Pirates, the Braves. And a reliever? Mm-hmm. Currently, I'll just tell you, he's with the Diamondbacks. Oh, God. You asked me, that you're trying to think that I can name a Diamondback? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should be. This guy, maybe. 4-6-6 ERA this season. Pirates, Braves. Melanson. There you go. Mark Melanson. He's been traded five times. I didn't know he was with the Diamondbacks either, yeah. for the record. He I is. I, I, remember I could have told you he was active. I've been I've been looking at him in fantasy, and he just blows too many. Well, Why would you? Because saves are you know a premium uh, uh, stat. and Apparently, he's not good at it. This one, I don't think you'll get either. He's the current Angels uh, bullpen catcher. He retired at the beginning of April. Or, a, yeah, Angels bullpen, bullpen catcher. catcher retired uh, let's see, mostly, of most of his career, I think, was with the Royals. And it's not Salvador Perez. No, it is not. Traded five times. Traded five times. Most of his career with the Royals. Was he most recently with the Royals? Uh, no, I'm guessing he was most recently with the Angels since he decided to become their. Whew. Um. He's wearing he's wearing a Rangers hat in mm. in his little in his little picture. Mm. In a Rangers hat. Royals is Royals. I think is Royals. what you should remember him from. Uh, I'll just you know, I'll just yeah, give it to you. Drew Butera. I I would remember him from nothing. I don't okay. remember anything about Drew. Butera. I remember Drew Butera. Nothing Butera. about. I mean, I know I've heard the name. And then a starting pitcher has also been traded five times. He retired retired on May thirty first uh, of this year, and uh, his last with his last uh, two stints were with the Yankees and the Twins as a starting pitcher. Last two stints, and he was and he pitched this year. With the uh, Yankees or no, with the he Twins? did not pitch he did this not year. Not pitch this year. He just decided. I think he just ended up not getting any more calls. So yeah, I'm done. Okay, and where did he pitch last year? Um, pulling up his reference right here, he was with oh, he was with St. Louis and Minnesota, and yeah, St. Louis and Minnesota last year. St. Louis and Minnesota, and then Yankees for three years uh, before that. Oh God, he won 12 oh. games in 2019. 
Um, lefty. 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 He was traded from Toronto to New York in 2018. Uh, you're going to tell me, and I'm going to feel stupid. Go ahead, though. J-Hap. J-Hap. Oh, damn it. I should have gotten J-Hap. Son of a bitch. I Five times been traded. One. All right. Is that it? That is it. God, that took forever. All right. Thank you. Here's uh, coming up, Totally Tubularized. It's brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Press Box. Read it all, pressboxonline.com. It is our salute to coaches issue. John Harbaugh on the cover. We celebrate area coaches who have either uh, surpassed or approaching uh, significant career milestones in the area. Kenny Amalolo from Navy, Pete Karinji from UMBC, Missy Maharg, Sasha Swarovski from Maryland, Kendall Peace from Polly, Pat Clatchy at Mount St. Joe, and then a couple of coaches who recently retired, Janine Tucker from Johns Hopkins and Lou Eckerl from Calvert Hall. It's the players whose lives they impact the most that are the ones that celebrate them. Go pick up that print issue of Press Box right now. Uh, Orioles wrap it up this afternoon with the Rangers. Kyle Bradish on the mound against Martin Perez. That is at 2 o'clock on Masson 2 for the series finale. Mets Nationals at 4 on Masson, also on MLB Network and the rest of the country. MLB Network has Mariners-Yankees at 1, locally Red Sox-Astros at 4, and Dodgers-Giants at 9.30. NBA TV, Indiana Fever, Atlanta Dream at 7, Minnesota Lynx, Seattle Storm at 10, CBS Sports Network, LA Sparks, New York Liberty at 7, ESPN, the League's Cup. You you never, man, I I don't think I have ever once known that the League's Cup was a thing, but tonight it's Chivas de Guadalajara and LA Galaxy at 8, Club America and LAFC at 10.30. Uh, City Open continues down in D.C. on the Tennis Channel at noon, and TBS for AW Dynamite tonight at 8. Some non-sports highlights? Uh, just a couple. New episode of MasterChef on Fox at 8. Uh, Reservation Dogs makes their Season 2 premiere on Hulu. Mm. First two episodes. I have not spent any time with it. I have had a lot of people tell me I should. Yeah, I heard it's pretty good as yeah. well. Um yeah, sounds interesting. And then Netflix has a new uh, Woodstock doc- documentary. I am, it's I am Cluster F. I am Woodstock with, '99. Woodstock '99 documentary. Okay. Yeah. Um, Sorry, yeah, Woodstock. Not really sure that I need to see any more of those. It was just an awful, awful moment. In our Were history. you there? No, I didn't. Go. I was okay. 16 then. Oh, really? So, okay. um, I, my parents would definitely like. I, I had to sneak out to go to HF festivals when I was a kid. I don't think I would have been able to pull off. It was also. And at the time, the funny part is like, and I say pricey, it might have been like 150 bucks. It might have been like basically what I pay for a concert anymore for one concert. But at the time, I just remember like being a kid and like friends that were looking into it, like, could we pull this off? Could we sneak off for a weekend to go up to it? And especially we were big Dave Matthews band fans. It's so hilarious that like we associate um, Woodstock 99 with the wretched like, you know, Limp Biscuit, but like Dave Matthews band was there. So my Dave Matthews band friends were like, dude, let's go, right? And then we like looked into getting to, and it was so ungodly. And there was no cheap way of doing it. There was like no way to just go like up for the day and come back or anything like that. So we didn't go. Thank God yeah. we didn't go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone's, God. I mean, it looks good, but everyone's, work. I mean, HBO did uh, Woodstock 99. Yeah, I, I remember too. seeing and another. that one was really yeah, good. Yeah, so, I remember, I mean, I'm I remember not sure that. How Netflix will top it, but yeah. it's out there. There are two Firefest documentaries, and frankly, if they made another one, I'd probably watch that one too, but that's the way it goes. All right, uh, I'm caught up on Better Call Saul. Just uh, I got that taken care of the last couple of days. Got caught up. So, um, well, I mean, it was like two episodes or something like that. Oh, since well, I, I didn't know how far back, yeah. Back. 
All right. Um, and if you're going to Rage Against the Machine tonight, uh, let your boy know, and uh, we'll we'll I, I won't tell you I'll have a beer with you because I don't drink, but you know I'll come over. We'll get, throw high fives or something uh, down in D.C. Rage. I, I saw all the pictures and videos from last night because they're doing two nights in D.C. Very excited, very excited, and Run the Jewels is opening for him. Oh God, it's gonna be a great night. All right. Thanks today to Gary Thorne. Thanks to Rick Dempsey. And thanks to Drew Forrester. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the <coughs> tab at glennclarkradio.com. As I mentioned, tomorrow's a big day. Spira Marikis joins us in studio. And we are debating the best months of the year. And if that's not the content for you, piss off. Not kidding. Go screw. This is going to be radio tomorrow, baby. This is going to be entertainment. Uh, also uh, tomorrow, uh, I believe Charlotte North, who is the the best women's lacrosse player maybe of all time, and I know that's early on in her career, but I've never seen a talent like her. Um, she's part of Athletes United, which is going on out in Sparks at USA Lacrosse, so we'll talk to her about that, her unbelievable career that she's had at uh, Boston College, winning a world championship here at Towson. She likes playing in Baltimore. She does quite well here. Would have been nice if she had played for maybe a school here, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Um, and then uh, Connor Norby. Yes, we'll make our trip Connor to Norby. the Bowie Bay Sox, and we'll chat with Connor Norby uh, tomorrow as well. So all that coming up, and um, a Weekend at Bookies all tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, Glory Days Grill, Royal Farms, Costa Sin, Great Ace Memorabilia, the FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino in Hotel Maryland, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com, All-America Lacrosse. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass. Thanks to Ryan at Rexpex Ryan. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday or Wednesday evening. Have a great Wednesday evening. Have a great Thursday evening, too, but we'll say that tomorrow. Have a great Wednesday evening. Go Birds. Duke sucks. Ohio State sucks, too.